0: Welcome aboard the Battleship Retention. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm all
1: jazzed up from the great conversation we just had about Ben Affleck as Batman that will not <laughs> be on the podcast. This is why we, I, we always joke that most of our conversations take place on the podcast. And this is why because occasionally we stumble into some really great stuff.
0: Yeah. And, and by and, the way, that conversation was preceded by a conversation about this season of Breaking Bad and the world's end. Yes. All of which people might have been interested in hearing. Yeah, although I
1: mean that both of those conversations were pretty spoiler. That's true. Yes. Was, yeah, uh, that would have given a lot away. But uh, yeah, this is why we gotta just always have mics running. Yeah. If we're talking, because we we got into some good stuff about about Ben Affleck, the gist of which is that I don't really care because I um, am probably not going to see the movie. Yeah. And if I do, I'm probably not going to like the movie, given my track record with director Jack, Zack Snyder.
0: Yeah. But is he directing this as well? I, I believe so, yes. I okay. think that's I think that's uh, uh, set in stone. Yeah, it really... Is. I don't like to... There's a cliche that people have, have said, and so I don't want to necessarily harp on it, but it's, it's the best one I can think of at the moment. It really is... It's not like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic, it's lamenting the arrangement of the deck chairs on the Titanic, <laughs> failing to recognize that it is indeed sinking. Yeah. You're not you're not being active about it. You're being like, "Oh, come on." It's like, "No, no, no. Let's let's look at the <laughs> real problem here." You know, Ben Affleck has shown himself to be a very capable actor, but again, in the hands of the wrong director, even mm-hmm. the best actor can be totally squandered, as as you were mentioning with uh, Scott Glenn in Sucker Punch. Yeah. Not that there was much to that character anyway, but... Uh, no, yeah. it's so, hardly even
1: a character. It's a construct. Yeah. Almost, so. I guess, literally a construct, if you take the yeah. movie literally. Yeah.
0: yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so... Yeah. So,
1: but what I wanted to ask you about before we get into the topic today, which is uh, our fall movie preview. I know mm-hmm. I usually wait, I try to wait... But it's our fun movie preview, which we're doing solo. We've had guests in the past. Yeah. We're doing this solo mostly because we needed to make up an episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an easy one because we don't have to think that much. It's just we got all the stuff in front of us. And we just have to react to it. Man, I love it. <laughs> but I did want to ask you about your trip to Switzerland, which we mentioned briefly with Amy yeah. uh, or, or in, the, in the last episode. But uh, tell me about it. Especially tell me about any uh, movie-related stuff. Or Battleship retention related stuff, such as, once again, thinking... How do you say his name? Davide? Uh, Davide. Davide. Yeah. Uh, Thanking him for the chocolates he gave me, which I will be
0: eating the hell out of tonight. Oh, so you haven't had any yet? No. They're sitting there waiting for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's your special treat, David. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah. uh, It was a really, it was just a really wonderful trip. It's my, it's the first time I've ever been to uh, Europe. And so uh, that in itself was kind of exciting. I've now been on four of the continents, which is, uh, that's, that's neat. Although here's the thing. Okay, New Zealand does technically count as the continent of Australia, but I feel like I'm cheating. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if somebody said, "No, I've been to North America. I was on I was in Hawaii." You know, it's just like, "Yeah, technically so, but come on." Right. New Zealand so, is much like, closer to Australia though. Or
1: like but, if I say like, "Yeah, I've been to Detroit. I changed planes at the airport." That doesn't
0: count. Well, that's a little bit different because the 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 airport itself is it is, is a country
1: yeah i think there's the country of airport and and embassies
0: all over the place (laughs)
1: yeah i think that's exactly right so yeah there are places like phoenix salt lake city detroit Mm -hmm. uh, minneapolis
0: that i've been to but haven't
1: actually been to because i've just been to their airports yeah
0: yeah uh, in that way i've uh i spent a few hours in berlin but only in their airport right but, um, Speaking of those airports I just mentioned,
1: Salt Lake City Airport is tops in my book. I had a great time there. I had a long layover there, Yeah.
0: and it was there was there was a uh, good beer to be had and uh, free Wi Fi. Free Wi Fi makes all the difference. Yeah, and uh, and that's the thing is, I, a lot of my experience with airports uh, is uh, colored by uh, uh, the American. Uh, Admiral's Club, which Jen right. and I are a part of, uh, but we're probably going to let that lapse because we're not going to be doing a lot of traveling uh, in the future. Um, you renew it year to year. And so, I'll say this... You mean if you- one, one renews it year to year?
1: I don't renew it at all because I don't... I was never a member. You, you, I'm saying you can. I can't renew it because I would have to renew it in that's, the first place. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Um, well, David, you don't know this, but I have gifted you a membership uh, right. to the Admiral's Club. Um,
1: Chocolates and pecan pie and... Admiral Club memberships.
2: This <laughs> B- podcast is finally off. off. <laughs> All right.
0: So okay. Um, but yeah, and so uh, so I'll say this. Uh, probably my favorite Admirals Club, although uh, LAX was pretty damn great. Uh, the one in, in the news in the Auckland Airport, in New Zealand is it's like you you stepped into Mad Men like they decorated it in the 60s and left it and that's kind of amazing but then uh, the one in Miami that thing is just uh, just this weird catacombs of relaxation nice um, okay but enough about that uh, so Switzerland uh, you know it was so basically we were there because Jen was shooting a wedding um, and, and where was the wedding burn the, the, uh, the wedding wedding was in uh, Kondersteg okay it was uh, in the mountains okay and uh and so Jen and I we we went to Zurich Lucerne Bern interlock What was that? Bern. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh Interlaken <laughs> no, and then uh Zermatt. Okay. And then Griefency, and then Condersteck, And then back to Zurich. So you only stayed like a night or two in each place. You were there for what? 10, 11 nights? Uh, 14. 14 nights? Well, uh, sorry, not not 14 nights. We were gone days. for a total of 14 days. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. we did not spend a lot of time in, in any one place. And actually, we were going to go to Geneva, uh, but we made a last-minute change when we were in Interlaken because one of the things we really wanted to do was visit the UN. But that's the thing. When you're on vacation, days mean, tend to mean nothing to you, and Geneva was going to be on a Sunday. And so everything we wanted to do there we would not have been able to do. So yeah. and we really liked interlocking so we just chose to stay there. Yeah. So
1: that's like yeah one of the times I was in New Orleans I decided Monday's going to be our uh, day to see stuff but all the museums are closed on Mondays. Oh yeah. It's um, it's unfortunate. I've been to Geneva in the same way that I've been to Detroit. In Geneva okay. I got off of a train
0: and got onto a bus. Oh, and okay. left Geneva. <laughs> but uh, did you get the bus straight from the train station or did you have to go somewhere
1: i think the bus meant i think yeah i think we just had to get out okay yeah
0: yeah um it's yeah jen and i traveled by train and uh there's there is truth to swiss efficiency um swiss efficiency swiss efficiency that's how they would say it because it's more efficient (laughs) exactly yeah yeah uh, actually they'd probably just give you a look. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was really great. Like once you ca- you spend really the first couple of days trying to figure out like, okay, this is what, it, this is what the train schedules look like. And, uh, and once you figure it out, you got it. And, and it, it was pretty great. Um, I liked all the hotels that we stayed at, uh, at which we stayed, pardon me. Um, and the, and it really is true. I know it sounds, you know, so cliche to say, but you go to some of these places and it is just so gorgeous. It is mm-hmm. so beautiful. I mean, it really is true. Uh, the, I, I kept thinking of the joke that Eddie Izzard said in his stand uh, where he says, I'm from Europe where the history comes from. <laughs> uh, because in that moment you realize, Oh, this is, this is it. It, it. I felt the same way when I was on the top of that mountain in New Zealand, uh-huh. where it was like, Oh, this is, I'm not watching a movie. Right. This is where it is. This is where <laughs> movies are, uh, and and so like, Jen and I were, we were talking about like what is a what were our favorite things, and so I'll, I'll sum them up. Uh, first off, just w- the area that we stayed in Zurich was just it was the the Altstadt, it was you know the old town and stuff, oh. and it was really wonderful. Uh, and then we went to Lucerne, and and now. Uh, Lucerne being there in August—that's kind of the off season, right? Because isn't it a big it's, skiing it, place? Uh, they're all, they're all kind of big skiing places, but uh, it's it seemed pretty on season to oh, me. Okay. But it wasn't it wasn't incredibly uh, busy, and so um, but yeah, the train station—you go into the middle of a fairly modern uh, metropolitan area, and so we were making our way towards our hotel, and you know you're going through like these city streets and stuff, and then you kind of emerge. And there's the river mm-hmm. and the Altstad and the, and that feeling that came over me and we were like l- hauling our luggage and it was on a cobblestone street and one of the wheels was broken on our bag. And so I'm like, I just want to get to the fucking hotel. <laughs> but in that moment I just looked and I just, and it's that feeling like w- where the hell am I? It sounds really silly cause you know, people live there and yeah. to them it's not this amazing thing. It's just, you know, human achievement. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, But in that moment, I just thought, like, this is so, this is very, quite literally, foreign to me. You know, I mean, I live in North Hills. It is not very interesting. Um, I mean, we do have that little Caesars on the corner, but. uh, Yeah. But, and so. You also
1: have, I meant to ask you. I meant to ask you off, Mike, but this will be fun to ask you on, Mike. Oh, good. You live near uh, Galpin Ford. Yeah. Which is. um, I live near Galpin everything. Yeah, it's a that massive, yeah. massive, it's like, a, it has its it's own like cre- a Disneyland. It has its own credit union. Did you know that? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. Um, what are, It also has its own restaurant, which is, yeah. again, I don't want to give away where you live, but pretty close to you, Very that close. restaurant. Have
0: you eaten there? Uh, No, I would, I kind of want to, yeah. but I've been told. What are their
1: hours, though?
0: I assume outside of my level of, com- my comfort zone. Right. Because <laughs> I, I probably want to go around, you know. 10 or 11 p.m. and my guess is it closes at the same time the dealership does. Right. Um, and you've so, been told what? I've been told it's actually per, uh, pretty expensive. Really? Well, that's yeah.
1: weird. Yeah. Well, probably because they have to make up for the fact that no one ever thinks to eat dinner at a uh, at a Ford dealership. Well, I'll tell you this: uh, Is it crowded when you go past
0: there? Oh, I don't know. I never really look inside, but I'll say this: uh, When Jen and I bought our most uh, our most recent car. Uh, Ooh, money banks The
1: most recent car
0: <laughs> Yeah not the one That died on the freeway <laughs> And uh, and I had to You know Go out of pocket For a tow oh, truck
1: Speaking of cars dying Okay I want to recommend I'll put a review On the website But I want to recommend Everyone try and see The movie Scenic Route okay. Or Scenic Route Depending on Which way would you say it? Uh, probably Route Yeah my girlfriend said Route oh, Okay Anyway That's incorrect um, I say Route I say Caramel I say Syrup I, I say Pajamas Let's you call know. the whole thing off. Yeah, scenic um, Cine- Root is a really, really good under the radar movie that didn't get uh, very much press. And I'm glad I got a chance to see it. It comes out on DVD mid September, and yeah. I'll put a review on the website. But definitely, although check it does out.
0: sound as though if you were to watch it, you might love it or hate it. I mean, it really yeah the, the, yeah the reactions polarizing. are all over
1: the place. But it yeah. is it's yeah it's mostly just josh Dumel and dan fogler talking and or yelling at each other for 85
0: minutes sounds good to me <laughs> um so uh, uh what was i talking oh, we were talking about fucking Galpin so what, ford so- no we were talking about Galpin ford and so now i need oh. to finish that oh okay uh so at uh, at the kia place in glendale where we bought our uh, our kia soul yeah um you got a restaurant there they d- They have a tiny little restaurant that's uh, oh, that technically so. you can go to and order food and you pay for it. Um, but what it's really for is, hey, we're gonna wash your car and mm-hmm. we're going to you know fill Detail. up. The, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna fill up the tires and stuff. While we're doing that, you go and have a meal on us. And so that so they kind of put us there. And so we were eating while we waited, uh, and so I think that's the that's the purpose of these restaurants right. at a car dealership. So I guess technically I could go to that one and eat, but my guess is a lot of the people there are are probably a salesman, mm-hmm. but then also clients that are waiting for their cars and are probably being comped.
1: Yeah, that's so that's why it's expensive.
0: So okay, enough about that. So uh, so listing my favorite things, uh, that moment when I.
1: Brown paper packages tied up with string. <laughs> Whisk- whiskers on kittens. Look, these are just a few of them.
0: Okay, <laughs> that was a good. Okay, um, but uh, but yeah, and so uh, that moment in Lucerne was pretty amazing. Uh, there was a castle uh, in oh I forgot Montreux. We went to Montreux as well. Uh, uh-huh. There was a castle uh, Chateau uh, Chillon, uh, and it was and we gone we've we had gone to a few castles. That was the third one. And that was by far the best one. By which I mean, you walk into it, and your first thought is like, "Holy shit, this is like a real castle." <laughs> by which, of course, I mean it's like ca- a castle in the movies, Right. and it's the one that we bought the audio tour for. And I know that's, I know it's cheesy, but that can make all the difference I'll in the bet. world. Yeah, like because then you're finding out about the history and and all that, and it's just, and it is fascinating to me to be walking through a structure that yes of course it has been uh rebuilt and changed and stuff over the years and restored um but the essential structure itself is the same it has been the same for eight or nine hundred years mm-hmm. and that is astounding to me um so that it, castle was pretty amazing
1: there's a thing you mentioned the the audio tapes and there's like I know there's a stigma against, like, doing touristy things, but I feel like there's different camps of touristy things, and some of them you should do, like, when it comes to the history, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying... Like, I know it's touristy to, like... I don't know. I always bring up New Orleans because it's, like, my favorite place, but uh, to go to New Orleans and then, like, eat at Jimmy Buffett's restaurant, like, (laughs) that seems pretty touristy. Yeah, yeah. But to go to a museum... Or you know, or, or do something historical. That's a touristy thing you should do. You know, oh, case in point: last time I was in, I visited Chicago, where you and I lived. For I lived for four years. Yeah. But I went back there, and I just decided to take the uh, architecture boat tour up and down the Chicago River. It's yeah. so great; it's I, the best. I learned things about the city I never would have known after even after living there for four years.
0: Yeah, that, it, I feel like any touristy thing in which you are getting genuine information about yeah. the place, and so the that tours, you, so you so that can you can, also, can better appreciate it.
1: Yeah, but with the boat tours, you can also drink during it. So, that's it's it's better than a museum. If I can get edified and get wasted at the same time, that's my ideal touristy thing.
0: You want the information, but not for too long, <laughs> basically, is what you're telling me. So, um, uh, and then, uh... And then uh, in Montreux, we went on a uh, we went on a tour in which we visited the Gruyere cheese factory, and we went to uh, a chocolate factory as well. And it was just kind of this, you know, that that was a very touristy thing. But in between, we we, we visited the village of Gruyere, which is remained unchanged for a very long time, but is still, I mean, the tourists have found it. Right. But while I was there, because we were going to go there one way or another... way,
1: oh, like Gruyere, when I make my special gourmet fancy mac and cheese, mm. I use Gruyere. Well, I I know where they
0: made it. Okay. So, um... I mean, can you get me some, like, at a discount? Do you make any connections there? I'll send them an email. <laughs> I hope you like giant, like, comically large wheels of cheese. <laughs> uh, the only are... kind of cheese I like at this point. <laughs> but uh, but while I was in Gruyere, there was a... uh. An H.R. Giger Museum. Really? Which I did not know about until I got there. And uh, because Jen and I had what's called the Swiss Pass, which we got primarily for train purposes, Mm -hmm. but can also get you into a number of museums and castles for free, uh, or at the very least at a discount, Uh, so we got into the Giger Museum for free. Unfortunately, you can't take any photos once you're inside, which is unfortunate.
1: But you know what? I think think there's something kind of cool about that. I don't know if you heard about the... um... I can't remember where it is, if it's in in Britain somewhere. There's a music festival called the Unsound Music Festival, mm-hmm. and they have a new rule this year. Unless you are uh, press, and you have a press pass, no photos. And it's just a music festival, but it's like, uh, I think, maybe encouraging people to actually enjoy the moment and not think... My you know my Instagram followers are gonna love this. How many likes am I gonna get? I know I sound like an old man, but there's yeah. something
0: to be said for. Like I oh, I I agree. I'm I'm right. I mean, I'm married to a photographer, and so we've had conversations in the past of like I I need you to put the camera down and enjoy this.
1: Yeah, and be here. Yeah. I remember uh, I was at uh, a concert. This was a few years ago. Uh, seeing. Um, uh, I almost said Langston Hughes, uh, Langhorn Slim. I don't know if you know who he is. You'd like him. Okay. He's up your alley. And at the end, it was a great show. Um, and at the end, like in his last song, he like invited people. It was at the Troubadour. He invited people to come up on stage and dance around. I remember there was just like this one guy sort of dancing around with Langhorn Slim, but also like taking a selfie at the same time. Yeah. Or, and I was like, you're missing the thing that you're doing right yeah. now. Again, I know I sound like
0: an old man. But, yeah, uh, and it's... Like an old man. I, I hate you so much. Um, but, uh, and so, yeah, it, but that's the thing is more than anything, it was just like th- these images are so, cause Jen was mostly unfamiliar with him. Of course she'd seen alien, but she mm-hmm. didn't know that there was an artist. She didn't know that alien came second that alien came about because this guy was just, oh, just right. thought like, this stuff yeah. on his own. <laughs> um, and so, uh, so yeah, uh, so we saw a lot of like you know uh, sculptures and a lot of paintings and stuff, and uh, you know I gotta say I don't want to judge anybody, but I think uh, old H.R. Uh, Giger might have had some issues,
2: <laughs> I, I, one or two,
0: yeah. Um, but it was it was fascinating nonetheless. And across the uh, across the street, probably is a generous word. Across the little cobblestone pathway from the mm-hmm. museum is a Giger bar. Where you could go in and you could take photos and every table, every chair, and every wall ceiling, every bit of the wall ceiling floor is – it's like you stepped into a Giger painting and you're drinking.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to go there so it bad. It was pretty man. great.
0: And there's another one And there's another one. I looked it up. There's a, another Giger bar in Japan, but they actually took that one away from him. So he does not – he did not endorse that one. Huh. He designed the both, b- both oh, bars, okay. but they – they made some changes that he did not agree with uh, at the one in japan but uh, but this one he's uh, totally on board with so um so that was probably my favorite and then the, the last thing that was just astounding so jen and i arrived in termat late at night for us you know uh on the trip which is about nine thirty or 10 so it was dark we our hotel was at the top of a hill and so it's like we're just dragging all our stuff up and then we, we finally find our hotel, and Jen says, hey, you should look over here. And I go, okay. So I look back, and I see what, look, frankly, looked like a matte painting of the Matterhorn. And it was a perfect view of it. And wow. then when we checked into our hotel room, we realized, oh, our hotel room has a window that just faces it. And we found out later that you could actually book, at our hotel, you could book rooms that faced uh-huh. the Matterhorn and ones that didn't. And one was cheaper. One was more expensive. We actually paid the cheaper price for the more expensive room, not knowing that. And uh, so in the morning, I like every time I pass by the window, I would look outside and be like, yeah, still there. <laughs> like, it's just astounding because so I remember happen
1: next time you go to Disneyland, you're just going to be like, oh, pshaw." Well, here's the thing. Or did you look at the real Matterhorn and say, I bet there's not a basketball court inside there?
0: (laughs) It's like, what about, uh, are there any uh, abominable snowmen up there (laughs) (laughs) that, uh, you know, and no, I'll I'll enjoy uh, the, I'll enjoy the Disneyland Matterhorn, but there is something to be, I mean, and Jen and I went to the top of a nearby mountain so you could get a better view of it, and it's just, yeah, so... So I've listed off a few of the things, but also, you know, just eating a little sidewalk cafes and, mm-hmm. and all that. And you that. saw
1: well, you talked on Mike about seeing Elysium. <clears throat> yeah. But you also saw James Marsh's new film at a like Shadow Dancer. Shadow Dancer at a like cellar theater.
0: Yeah. Uh, in which city? Uh in Bern. Um you're walking along the uh you're walking along the the street there and there's all these shops, but then there's also all these uh all these doors that are sort of at a slant Not unlike, uh, you know, a storm cellar at at a, you know, in a Kansas home or something like that, Mm -hmm. where you access it outside the house. You're not, you know, so, so there were all these things and it was like, that's very strange and they're probably very old. And after a certain time of day, people would open up the doors and you realize, oh, there's uh, most of them are like little bars because you just go down the stairs and it's basically just one room that is not really that large. But we found we found one of them that actually was a movie theater, uh, and so was we it went- cold in there. It was chilly in there, yes, and it was just it really felt like a bunker that somebody had turned into a movie theater. And so we we more than anything just wanted the experience of seeing a movie there, and we were just going to see whatever they were showing. And they happened to be showing that. And I was like, I think I had heard of that, and it turned out to be a really good movie. But the experience itself was pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, it was just a really. It was just a really wonderful trip, and I'll I'll, I'll throw out a couple of quick uh, quick things. Uh, I will say, if ever you're going to Switzerland, you're going to be there for an extended period of time. Get yourself the Swiss Pass. Yeah, it sounds like uh, a thing That to thing do. is a miracle. But then also, uh, countrywide they get chicken strips right.
1: I don't know what it is. I thought you were going to say something about countrywide. Isn't the name of like an insurance company?
0: Countrywide. You think you're, th- you're thinking of helped. country folks? The restaurant right by my house. No, I See, now probably. we're really triangulating here. <laughs> but um,
1: it's yeah, in, it's, even if people knew where you live, it's a, it's an impenetrable compound. That is true. Yes, <laughs> it's
0: very inconvenient for my friends. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, they get chicken strips right, and every single place. I think the whole country gets their fries from one source. And then they just distribute. Then they just spread them out because the fries are consistently great, all in the same way. Whereas the chicken strips, they were all different, but they were all they were all good. And of course, the chocolate was very good. But here's the other thing. So when you walk in, walk around any of these cities, they will have these old fountains. And it's like okay, a fountain's no, you know, mm-hmm. no problem. Uh, but then I actually saw somebody like leaning in and like drinking from the fountain. I thought it was merely decorative. And so I thought, oh, apparently you can drink from it. Oh, well, that guy's just crazy. I saw several people drinking okay. from it. I saw somebody filling up his water bottle from it. And so I thought, so I said to Jen, like, hey, we should. apparently we can do that. And she's like, I bet it's probably lukewarm and you probably wouldn't like it very much. Uh, so I uh, tried it out. Uh-huh. Ice cold and the best tasting water I'd ever had. It was like from a freaking mountain stream. It was, but probably... There's probably no deer feces in it, and so uh,
1: <laughs> you don't so, know it, that actually.
0: I don't know that, but you know what? I can I, I can act as though it's okay. it's not there. But it was so delicious and refreshing, and it was really wonderful. So overall, just the the trip was just amazing. If you have the opportunity to go to Switzerland, and that that's the last point I'll make is so when Jen found out that she got this wedding, we had this thought of well we're not remarkably interested in the country of Switzerland and Europe hmm. is relatively small. We could fly into Zurich, stay at night or two there and then go to Germany or go to Austria or go to countries that quite frankly, were more in, we were more interested in. But I said, you know what? We're being taken to Switzerland. We would never go otherwise. Mm-hmm. No offense to Switzerland, but it's not, a, it wasn't on our list of priorities. We would never go otherwise. Just for
1: the record, I have been to Switzerland and I didn't need a, uh coercion
0: <laughs> well it's, it's an incentive it's just you know it's like we, we went to bogota colombia and it's nothing against those countries but if you only have a certain amount of time to travel right it's like well and and it's totally up to you it's like okay we'll do we'll we'd prefer to go to this place but because of her work we have an opportunity to go to a place that we never would have gone otherwise or at least not for two weeks mm-hmm. and so we decided let's just do switzerland Let's Sounds just, like you did it right. Yeah, and I was so happy, and it got me thinking. Like, I'll bet this might not actually, this might not actually be true, but it gets you thinking. Like, I'm sure every single country, every single city has its own little treasures, and it, and it's one of those things. Like, damn, I, I, it was kind of discouraging because it's just like I'm never going to be able to travel and see everything that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, and that's unfortunate.
1: Yeah, that's what, uh, I mean, people need to know that, like, uh, there's probably cool shit to do in Terre Haute, Indiana. Yeah. You know, there's something cool everywhere. Sorry yeah. if you're from Terre Haute, uh, or or maybe you're welcome if you're from Terre Haute. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's something that's, yeah. I guess, being from, and you probably get this too, being from places other than, you know, major cities. Yeah. Um, being from St. Louis and... Knowing that St. Louis is an awesome place with lots and lots of awesome stuff to do and lots of really cool and smart people, yeah. uh, people tend to give it a, they tend to overlook it or you know fly over it, and uh, it's just uh, it's good to know that uh, or it's a good thing to keep in mind that there's there's cool stuff and cool people everywhere.
0: And you know, I remember when we had our nine our discussion on 90s film, and you put something out there that I that I think now is is very interesting. It's not that I didn't think it was interesting at the time, but now. Having experienced Switzerland, because I do think a lot of people say, oh, America, America, there's really there's really no culture to the U.S. There might be, you know, individual cities with a culture, but the country itself lacks culture. Okay. Certainly the culture that you'll find in a Switzerland or, or whatever. Um, like because we're a newer country, we are seen that way um, often by ourselves, I think. Um and I will and, – and you made the, the, the point that American culture is kind of pop culture, mm. and people might view that as vulgar, mm-hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that that's what it is. And so I did have the thought of – because that's the thing. Yes, there are places in Switzerland that were absolutely beautiful, and there are places in the U.S. And I feel like, well, we don't have a Matterhorn, I'll say that, and we don't have – you know some of these old, some of these older cities, and we don't have castles, but we do have the Grand Canyon. But that's that's beside the point. What I was going to say is, so as we I'm wa- also
1: have Carhenge.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I saw Into the Wild. I get is that in Into the Wild? I think it is, but now I don't remember. Uh, yeah. It might have been uh, in an interesting documentary I was watching.
1: I'm just saying, if you're from another country and you think you're cooler than the U.S., Google image search
0: Carhenge. See if you got anything that cool. Well, the thing that got me was... <laughs> that's odd. Anyway, uh, the thing that got me was... So as I was walking around absorbing Swiss culture, I couldn't help but notice that a lot of the locals and a lot of the shops, it's all American clothing. And, okay. they, were, and they were American shops. And I don't merely mean like McDonald's. American brands, you mean? American brands and yeah. stuff. And I went and saw Elysium. And it was not a full theater, but there were a lot of people there. And it's like, I was watching this American film. And then there were German and French subtitles underneath. Oh, really? Both at yeah, the yeah. same time. Um, and so, specifically because that it happened to be in this uh, French-speaking part of the, of the country. In Bern, when I saw Shadow Dancer, I think there were only German subtitles underneath. But I don't remember. Um, and so, I just realized, like, so there is, like, we, we are, it's like, whatever culture we have, we are exporting you know, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously Swiss chocolate. There's a number Swiss of watches, exports. Yeah. yeah, there's a number of exports army from knives. Switzerland. Yeah, they just call them army, army knives there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they call them our army <laughs> knives. Um, and so it, it it was interesting to realize, oh, yeah, the the U.S. certainly, it may not have the history, but it, sure, it certainly has made its mark on every other country. And I felt you know and that's the thing is like when I see the McDonald's there it's just like okay well that to me that's it's unfortunate that that has made its way around but at the same time just like yeah this new country I I, I love Switzerland but I actually came away somewhat proud of being an American it's like (laughs) yeah this new country has done so well for itself and is so firmly established that now other countries it's where they get a lot of their entertainment and a lot of their uh, modern culture—it mm-hmm. was very interesting to me. And so, I apologize if, if any, uh, you know, uh, non-American listeners are listening—if they find that to be insulting. I, I don't mean for it to be insulting. It's just at this point, I view it as like there's a now there's an intermingling of cultures. It's not merely global village. Sure, that's what they call that. Okay, that seems somehow insidious when you put it that way. But I don't know. <laughs> But just it's not merely oh I'll go to Switzerland and experience Swiss culture and then I'll come to the U.S. and experience no culture. No, everywhere you go, you're experiencing everything. I, think. I like that. So well, we need to get. We've into- been going on for too long. I apologize.
1: Um, we need to get into it, uh, but you need uh, you, the listener, uh, need to get into tweakedaudio.com, dot com, which is where you find uh, professional quality earbuds at a variety of styles and colors at a low, low price. If you go to tweakedaudio. dot com slash pretension, you get all that plus one third off and you don't you don't have to pay for shipping so do that it helps us out and it helps you out because you get some awesome earbuds so let's get into it shall we we're going to talk about the fall movies that are coming out and we're going to start uh or we're going to as we always do when we do a movie preview we're we're going to uh follow entertainment weekly's lead (laughs) and just talk about what they talked about in their magazine i mean because they cover it all they just give us a structure i guess to go with
0: well and also so, uh i forget a, a listener recently tweeted at us and just said hey should i get a subscription or should i renew my subscription i don't totally recall to entertainment weekly and you like it you like the magazine more than i do
1: yeah to i responded it. i can't remember if i cc'd you but yeah I did uh, you some. did yeah okay.
0: yeah and uh and that's the thing is like i pay basically 20 bucks a year mm-hmm. so every time it, it, i always say like i'm not gonna renew and it's like 20 bucks a year yeah like yeah that's a couple of movie previews. That's some probably pretty good Oscar coverage. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm okay letting Entertainment Weekly lead the charge, and it's one of maybe five yearly issues that I actually enjoy.
1: Well, I do like um, their TV reviews, I always have more than their movie reviews. Uh, but as far as movie reviews, I like this Chris, Na- Chris uh, Nashawati guy. He's all right. Um, well, I liked him more when he was doing the home video stuff. Now that Lisa Schwartzbaum left, he's been bumped up to theatrical yeah. stuff. And I think he's still been able to maintain his voice a little bit. But I feel like he was maybe allowed to be himself more when he was writing the home video stuff. Hmm. Um, but this new guy, Keith something, whose name I can't pronounce, who's doing the home video stuff, he's good too. Okay. So anyway. Moving on. That's a little Entertainment Weekly endorsement. Um, okay so the one weird thing I guess About following along with Entertainment Weekly Is that when they do one of their seasonal movie previews They start with a big one So they go chronologically But they start with one that's out of chrono- chronological order Because it's considered the big one But I don't know This this year they chose Anchorman 2 Now you're not likely to, to In the entire world Of serious film p- podcasting You're not likely to find Two bigger comedy geeks than
0: us, that's probably true.
1: Um, obviously, you got like a Douglas movies, but that I said that's serious different. film. Yeah. Po- that's a comedy podcast first. Um, are you excited, Frankerman? Two
0: instinctively, yes. Really, I think my. But instinct when I start, no. What, no. Here's the thing. Instinctively, it's like, hey, awesome. But then I start thinking. So my first instinct is the instinct that I think they're counting on, which is, hey, you get to spend time with these characters again, and that should be fun, right? Mm -hmm. So my first thought is like, yeah, it will be fun. Wait a second. (laughs) Hang on. It's been ten years, and based on the trailer and stuff, it really is just, it's the problem that you could always, that you can always have with any sequel, but specifically comedy sequels, where it's just like, hey, you know those jokes you like? Here's some more of them. Yeah. That are exactly the same.
1: Or when you get like, I know... You and I talk about often, we, we we both really defend the first Austin Powers movie. Oh, yeah. And we talk about how much its legacy was uh, smeared by the sequel, or both sequels. Yeah. Because what they did is they took all the sort of most surfacy and, uh, and juvenile jokes in the first one that a lot of audiences, uh, I guess, you know... Lowest common denominator type audiences, if I can be smug
0: about it, uh, responded to, and they made the sequels just sort of all that. And they Uh, even and that mentality even tainted some of their new jokes that had potential, like Mini Me, and just the direct reference to Island of Doctor Moreau uh is itself kind of an a neat idea. But then what they do with him is such a just like such a oh you like you you went so far as to mimic this movie that no one knows about and yeah. was bat shit crazy and then you're going to make it as totally just mainstream acceptable middle of the road as possible yeah, i
1: think uh, we're already we're already off topic but yeah, Austin sorry. powers what mike myers when he was in his heyday was able to do was to do a very type of broad goofy uh nutty comedy mm-hmm. but also have some very sort of Surreal and very narrow, microly, narrow, micro narrowly focused uh, bits of yeah. observation. You know, the, uh, I think most people who know what they're talking about have the same favorite scene from the first Austin Powers movie. Okay. Which is the uh, support group when Dr. Evil is talking
0: about his childhood. It's the best scene in the movie. Uh, is that my favorite scene? Now, you know, I haven't seen it in so long I don't quite remember. What does remember. he
1: say? He's like, he's talking about his father, uh, I can't remember what piece oh, of punctuation that. it is when he's like he would make outrageous claims the like he invented mark. the
0: question mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is a, that is a pretty good scene. Yeah, um,
1: uh, and I'm, I'm obviously being uh, you know uh, I'm being facetious saying that's the only good scene, but like that sort of thing is that's not the like get in my belly or like the you know which I did laugh at, <laughs> but, that, but that's not like the the just. Uh, loud cheap jokes which can be funny as well yeah that also that's just weirdness
0: yeah also his performance of dr evil is clearly based on lorne michaels yeah. who is something of a public figure but people don't immediately know how he sounds yeah that's a joke for almost yeah. nobody although All if the, you see kids in the hall it, brain yeah candy. it was already done in brain yeah candy. yeah so how um. how megalom- megalomaniacal are you <laughs> that you are treated as a megalomaniac in two separate films yeah yeah but uh so yeah so i'm i'm Worried about Anchorman, it just seems like everything's gonna be heightened, and they're just gonna give you all the things that you that you already like,
1: yeah, I think I tend to at this point i have with some exceptions like last week we talked about how much I like the hangover movies, but uh I tend to recoil against sequels, and I know maybe that's again snobbish of me at, at this point, but uh you know when i when I joke about how I'm not gonna i was you know I, I joked on Twitter that it doesn't matter that Ben Affleck is playing Batman because. I was never going to see the movie anyway. No. That's not necessarily true. I might see it, no. but the further you get into any franchise, the less likely I have an interest in it. Maybe that's just me, but uh, it, it 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 just is generally you know having a two at the end of a title is a is a turnoff for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, and I wrote. I remember when Hangover Part Two came out, and I Which didn't. I
1: loved, I, by the way, that they called it. The The Hangover Part Two with the Roman uh, numerals. Yeah, I actually yeah. really like that.
0: <laughs> um, like they're trying to evoke the Godfather. Exactly. Or something. Um, but uh, yeah, it just, I remember I, I wrote a blog. I not about the film itself because I hadn't seen it and still haven't. But uh, just the the nature of sequels and why they are necessary because there are great sequels out there and it almost invariably comes from the movie is over and the audience and the director probably feel the same thing which is there's there's more here. Uh-huh. there's a lot more here, you know? Um, and there's, and you might not even be aware of it in the moment, but like, for example, alien and aliens. And even though aliens is itself something of a, like kind of a retread in many yeah. ways. Uh, when they, when he realized we can really do something with this Ripley character, mm-hmm. like that can be enough, you know, same with uh, Terminator two uh, to bring up another Cameron film. Like I'm not against sequels, but really Anchorman ends on a pretty definitively done note. Like what more are they going to explore in it? Uh, and I know it's a comedy, how much are they going to explore anyway, but... Well, you
1: know, two of my favorite sequels of all time are comedy sequels, and that's Gremlins 2 and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Mm-hmm. And in both cases... Now, which
0: which, ba- which batch was that? That was the new batch. Gremlins
1: oh, 2, the new batch. Got it. Okay. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, no batch, No batches at all, yeah. <laughs> we don't need enough stinking batches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> uh, so... Uh,
0: did you mean to say that because it sounds so much like badges? Uh, well, yeah, that's why I know, know I, I was referencing, but I didn't
1: know I was going to say it until the second I said it. Right, but it just
0: it worked out so it's like badges well, sounds like badges. On it. I'm sorry, it's it, it, it boggles the mind. That was so fucking quick and wonderful. Good for you, David. All right, um, sorry. Moving on.
1: Uh, thank you. Um, in 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 both those cases, I know this is true of the new batch, and it feels like it's true of Bill and Ted, where it was like the first one was such a success that it's like. The studio saying we need to make a sequel and therefore the filmmakers are able to get away with doing stuff you know both new batch and bogus journey are wildly different from the originals well
0: and we talked a few weeks ago with west about batman returns Mm -hmm. which is not a comedy but that's an example of okay you proved that you can make money so do what you want it's like okay yeah yeah. there is a a playful element to it at
1: times And, and so if if this had been a situation where Anchorman had been a surprise like blockbuster, which it wasn't, it didn't really, you know, I, I, I think it did okay theatrically, but it really was yeah. one of those that found its voice on home video. Um, if it had been that sort of thing where Paramount was begging uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell to make a sequel, unlike the opposite, which is what actually happened, Yeah, uh, I would be a little more excited for it because they'd be able to maybe do new things. But it does feel and like also they uh, had, it's going to be a retread.
0: Yeah, and also they seemed like they had quite a bit of uh, artistic control in the first one. Yeah, know, yeah, like not, were, were they being hel- in, yeah. yeah, were they being held back? <laughs> yeah. For pizza like Luke Wilson gets his arms ripped off and on the second one he goes, "Come on, it's getting to be Goddamn ridiculous." <laughs> you know, like that's not the mark of a production that's being held back yeah. by yeah. uh by the studio. But yeah, so and you know what? It could turn out to be great. Maybe they're just having a lot more crazy fun and that mm-hmm. could be great, but I'm 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 wary.
1: Uh are you no, getting into September? Are you interested in rush?
0: Uh, it's Ron Howard, who is... What
1: was the last R-rated film Ron Howard made?
0: Uh, Frost Nixon was rated R, although it really didn't need to be. Okay. Um, I don't recall there being a lot of language. Although, of course, you know, Nixon himself, he's starting to start saying, like, cocksucker and stuff. (laughs) But, um, yeah, uh, so it's Ron Howard, which is hit or miss with me. Uh, I like Chris Hemsworth. Me too. I think he's got a lot of charisma. I like the idea of him really tackling uh a serious role and one that's based on true story i'm
1: also a big fan of daniel Bruhl. Um, oh yeah from inglorious bastards yeah who also has a small role in the third born movie and that's another of the rare franchises that mm. i like he plays uh i guess spoilers for the born supremacy uh franco potente gets killed and at the beginning of the born ultimatum matt damon goes to see her brother whom he's never actually met in mm. person before to to confirm that his sister's dead. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that scene. It's a, I don't remember that scene.
0: I only saw them uh, Ultimatum once. I need to watch it again.
1: It's probably my least favorite of three, but it's good. Hmm. Pat- Patty Considine's in it.
0: I know, for a while.
1: It's an extended sequence that, like, is probably longer than the film needs it to be, pacing-wise, but on its own is a really, really awesome sequence.
0: Yeah, it's well put together. Uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, so Rush, uh, I don't know much about it, uh, unfortunately, except that a lot of the well, things. True story. Yeah,
1: takes place in the seventies. It's about Formula form One drivers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, think, I guess. Okay, you and I no. know the same thing about it. Yeah, and it's
0: but it's oddly enough, I know it sounds weird, but Chris Hemsworth in the lead role of a true story, playing kind of a, a charismatic guy, like that. That's kind of if the film gets good to solid to great reviews Mm -hmm. that is that will be more than enough for me to see it because he actually is a draw for me
1: yeah i'm he's he's a big i mean i'm I'm not surprised anymore yeah but when i first started seeing movies with him in it it was a big surprise because he looks like we talked about this before like a year ago but you know he looks like such a dumb beefcake type yeah uh he's actually he's really smart and funny
0: yeah, and he really brought a lot to the character of Thor that the character, I guess, probably had. But, I mean, that I always thought that character was something of a yawn, uh, and, but both with the way he was written and certainly the way he was played. Well, yeah,
1: he played, like, he in, in Thor the movie, Chris Hemsworth played him as someone, like, it could have been him, like, constantly befuddled by the way things are on Earth. Yeah. And he is in some, like, in many ways he doesn't, like you know he tries to buy a horse at a pet store i think which is like kind of kind of funny but like he he catches on quick he's like yeah this is a different realm like things are going to work differently so he doesn't it's not
0: and the character is brimming with confidence so he's not (laughs) he's not befuddled for long (laughs) yeah and even when he is he's just like it's this thing's problem not mine
1: um let's move on okay um this movie Thanks for Sharing. I don't know much about it, but it uh it, it's from the writer of The Kids Are All Right or it, directed by written and directed by the guy who wrote The Kids Are All Right. So that's a plus for me and a, Yeah, I'm a, sure it's going to be really subtle. Um, uh but it's got Mark Ruffalo, Tim Robbins, Gwyneth Paltrow and this guy Josh Gad who's uh
0: making the rounds. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I I need to maybe
0: see something in it. I know. Well, I mean, he what was that uh, that president thing with Bill Pullman? Where he plays like the president's 1600 pen, where yeah, he was yeah. one
1: of the creators of the show, I think. yeah. But I heard it wasn't that good, yeah. I heard it wasn't very good. But he's um, in Jobs, the Steve Jobs movie,
0: yeah. And I hear he's the best part of it, okay. Um, he plays Steve Wozniak, and uh, and I think was he in the Book of Mormon, like, yeah, he that, was okay. on the
1: stage with uh, Andrew uh, Rannell, who's also who's on girls and was okay. on uh, the new normal, okay, or is on the new normal. I have no idea if that show still, still exists.
0: <laughs> You got the TV podcast. Come I on. know, but go, I watched get, the, the first
1: episode of New Normal. That was it.
0: Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'll say this: uh, I'm intrigued by movies about sex addiction because, I mean, just even you look at any review of like Shame, and in the comment section, you had people just saying like, "Hey, it's just a man being a man."
1: Like right. it just. Well, there's that uh, that episode of News Radio where John Ritter plays a sex addict, and Dave Foley says. I'm from Wisconsin. Is that the same as getting a lot?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And so, but that's the thing. I think it is probably a real thing. Like people who do this because like obsessively, they probably don't take a great deal of pleasure in it. It's something they genuinely emotionally need as opposed to something that they merely want Mm -hmm. and enjoy. And so I, I I'm intrigued anytime a movie wants to tackle it. I don't think shame does it very well. Um, and so th- so thanks for sharing. I think it looks like it's it, it looks like it's uh, emphasizing some, kind of the goofy uh, comedic aspects of it, which could be good. And with somebody like a Mark Ruffalo in your lead, mm-hmm. in your lead role, I think they're gonna find some good stuff with the character. But I don't know, I'm just naturally suspicious of it. I feel like they, they won't give it enough weight.
1: What do you think? Uh, if people don't like it, what are the negative reviews gonna be named? No, thanks for sharing. Keep it to
0: yourself. Uh, oh, keep it to yourself will be one. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. All right.
1: Uh, Metallica Through the Never, I'm weirdly excited about because it sounds nuts. Yeah. It's a concert, for those who don't know, and if you don't know, you're behind the times. You've got to keep up. Yeah. It's a concert. Metallica concert film that is also a post-apocalyptic horror thriller, um, and it is also in IMAX 3D.
0: <laughs> well, and also, it is directed by Nimrod... Antal, uh-huh. uh, who made Predators, which I really liked.
1: Which I didn't see, but which I... Uh, but he he also... Well, I didn't... His first... the His his film, Control, which he made in his native... Whatever country he's from, I can completely forget. Probably not Switzerland. Uh, I didn't like Control very much. But mm-hmm. the first film he made when he came to America was a horror film called Vacancy. Ah, yes. Uh, with Luke Wilson and uh, Kate Beckinsale, which is super underrated. It was yeah. a, a really cool movie.
0: Yeah, and and so I yeah I really like Predators. That movie's better than anyone ever thought or expected it to be.
1: Did you see Armored? He made that one too. I heard that was good. Uh, yeah, that's what yeah. I, I think he's a, yeah. I think he seems to be a solid like sort of B movie guy, yeah. uh, and that makes me make this kind of interesting.
0: And the fact that Dane DeHaan is in it, I like him a lot. He's yeah. he's really on the rise. He's going to be in the next Spider Man movie, and so I'm just I'm very excited. Uh, the the movie sounds. It sounds crazy, but also, when you look at the people involved, you know, I feel like it's going to be solidly made crazy. Yeah. So...
1: And also, like, we're talking about Nimrod and Tal, but also, it's it's freaking Metallica. I mean... Yeah,
0: which I'm not a big fan of. That's actually see, that, the... You uh, know,
1: I, I disagree. I mean, obviously, you, it's your You opinion, disagree that I'm not a big fan of it? But I I feel differently, is what I'm saying. Okay. I watch the... I normally don't, don't watch trailers, but I watched this trailer... I saw it at Comic Con. Actually, um, I, I think they premiered the new the 3D trailer. I think at Comic Con, and um, yeah, when it gets to the part in in one, which is should probably be g- considered one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. But you know, da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da, darkness imprisoning. Me, I was uh, I was, I was kind of I know the, I know the song. Cheer. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's did, the thing. Did is, you actually recognize that song based on my singing? I for did. The first time ever. Look at you.
0: Um, <laughs> it might have also. By the way, it you whatever Metallica song I know uh-huh. you could probably do that and I would have gotten it but um, yeah and that's the thing is uh, a good concert film can make you enjoy whatever band you're seeing mm-hmm. you know like uh, oh hell what was it The Last Walls, where it was about the band, the, the band I like the which band which I'm not a huge fan of them uh, but I love that movie I think it's really well done so
1: okay let's move on to The Family which I am skeptical about, because when Luc Besson makes films that aren't action films, they tend to be like The Lady, which was horrible.
0: I didn't see it, but I did see a trailer for The Family a couple days ago uh, when I went and saw The World's End, and there's a lot more action to this than one would think, oh, Okay, and uh, it, but it also looks like it has a genuine sense of fun. I'm actually excited to see Robert De Niro in it. I'm excited to see Robert De Niro go... Not against Tommy Lee Jones because they're not uh, rivals, but the you know one is the criminal and right. one is a cop who's or a you know agent or whatever who's supposed to take care of him, and so there's a uh, that kind of relationship between them. So I'm excited about that, and so I really feel like as long as they focus on kind of the the off kilter quality, I feel like it could be pretty good.
1: One thing I learned from this entertainment weekly article is that Robert De Niro and Luke Bassan are longtime friends. Which is fun to me, to imagine. Because I don't think, they've never actually been in a movie, or he's never... Yeah, I don't think he's so. He's never been in a Luc Besson movie. Do you have a favorite Luc Besson film? No. I think I'd probably go with Lefem Nikita. But Lefem Femme Nikita, The Professional, and The Fifth Element. I've seen all, The Fifth Element. All great.
0: I haven't seen the other ones.
1: You should see them. They're very good.
0: I know, everyone is, for years people have been saying, I need to see The Professional.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: or Luke as I like to be. call it, Leon, The Professional. Yes.
1: Baggage claim. I don't know much about it. Uh, It's got Paula Patton in it.
0: Uh, Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, You don't know anything either. Okay, then (laughs) let's move on. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs Two.
0: Are you uh, skimming past uh, Uh, Don Don John here?
1: I did for a second there. I did not see. Okay. Let's talk about Cloudy with a Chance or I don't really. I talked about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs Two in our Comic Con wrap up. Do you have anything to say about it?
0: Uh, just I didn't know anything. I didn't really know what it was about. But then I saw. Some, I don't remember where I saw it. I saw some promotional stuff about it. Um, and uh, it looks entertaining, uh, and I have enough faith in them that I think it could, uh, it could be pretty solid. Yeah, I know it's, it's not... Is it the same guys, or it's not the same guys? Uh, it's not the same guys. But it's somebody else that is notable.
1: No, it's guys who um, worked on the first one. Okay. Um, All right. But yeah, it looks good. Uh, Bill Hader in this article says... Um, it, we were talking about, about sequels being different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, he says the first one was Armageddon, and this one is Jurassic Park. Which
0: that's kind of cool. That's the vibe that I got, and it really looks like the kind of thing that if I were to watch it at too young of an age, I'd be like, "This is creepy to me." <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and I like that. All right, Don John, I'm excited for.
0: All right, uh, as I've said in the past, and as I've written in a number of reviews, uh, I am naturally skeptical anytime an actor directs something, uh-huh. uh, because invariably they're going to star in it. It doesn't. I don't think it's a vanity project, but it's just it's probably going, they're probably going to hold back a little bit. They're kind of just testing the waters, seeing if they are able to do this. And, and it's a project that they probably feel kind of passionate about, but they might be a little too close to it. Like it all. And the mo- the movies are almost never terrible, but they always feel like they should be better. Don John seems as though it is done with a f- great deal of, of confidence. Uh-huh. Uh, and at the very least, like it looks like it's going to be a pretty solid performance, from joseph gordon levitt and
1: at the very least the trailer shows that they shot some scenes at the uh second
0: Run theater in north hollywood <laughs> yeah oh cl- absolutely <laughs> i saw i'm like hey <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the that's the regency right yeah. there yeah. yeah that was kind of a, it was kind of fun to see but uh but yeah and so i'm kind of uh and i feel like it's been a while before but since scarlett Johansson has turned in like a good like, a, she's sure. always good, but, like, a genuinely solid performance. And it looks like she's pretty well, good in this you one. You know
1: who I'm looking forward to seeing in this movie is Tony Danza. Yeah. Because,
0: I, you know, I I think
1: that guy gets a bad rap because he is kind of a goofy persona as himself, you know. But I don't think he's at all an untalented guy. Actually, as much as I don't like the movie, I liked him in Crash, Uh, it, you know.
0: um, I thought his performance was – the the lines were on the nose, but yeah, I think his performance his... was also a little on the nose. You think so?
1: Yeah. All right. Um. But, uh, I, yeah, I like the idea of him essentially being the dad from Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> <laughs> Which I saw recently. I know. Yeah, we talked about it. Um, uh, all right. Enough said. Um, I'm a big fan of Nicole Holofcener.
0: Yeah. Uh, remind me who that is again.
1: Um, what did she... Hold on. Now you're making me... Uh, Sorry. Because I always get her confused with with Lisa Chilidenko because they are both women who made independent films in the 90s and into today. Sexist. Got uh, it. Who have, have four-syllable last, last names. Yeah. So which one did Walking and Talking? I think that's Hall of Center. Okay. then Yeah, I like her.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I had, uh, I had read a little bit about it uh, around the time that James Gandolfini died, and, uh, and it sounded... And I'm a big fan of Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, I think she's an actress that is just really committed to every role that she plays. Uh, I think it's nice that as time has gone on, she's kind of moved away from... Being solely seen as Elaine, not that that would be a bad thing. Oh well, she's.
1: Um, I don't know how do think how to phrase this? In terms of Emmys, she's the only woman to wa- to win Best Lead Actress in a Comedy for three different roles. For, oh, uh, okay. For Seinfeld, New Adventures of Christine, and yeah. Veep. Okay, it's never happened, or maybe it's maybe she's tied with uh, with someone else. Okay, but, yeah, she's. Uh, so I'm saying to you and I she's Elaine Bennis. Yeah. But she was on New Adventures of Old Christine for many years after that and like you know, I think maybe people younger than we are don't necessarily think Elaine Bennis when they see Julie Leo Dreyfus.
0: I disagree. <laughs> okay. Or rather I refuse not to believe it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and so I'm ex- I-, I like the idea and it's got Catherine Keener. Like it's just a great cast with a, a you know, a noted filmmaker and I just feel like it'll be Interesting. It sometimes I don't there's the thing. I don't know what it's about. Sometimes I choose sometimes I'm curious enough to look into it and other times it's just that cast, that director, got it. No yeah. problem.
1: Yeah. Alright, touchy feely. Speaking of uh uh female directors, sexist. Um <laughs> Lynn Shelton made Hump Day, which I never saw, which is supposed to be great. Yeah, I didn't see it. And then she made Your Sister's Sister, which I did not like at all. Okay. I know that's but that's one that you know. Maybe, like, Scenic Root is divisive. There are people out there who really like it. Yeah. Um, I did not care for that at all. Um, But this one has a bit of a uh, sci-fi bent to it, which is, you know, not what you expect from her reputation uh, story-wise. So uh, I like that. I like the the cast a lot. Yeah. It's got Uh, uh,
0: Josh Pice uh, second build there. Yeah. I've actually got got a
1: screening coming up. Okay. Okay. Maybe this week. I am
0: a fan of Rosemary DeWitt. I like everything I've seen her in I like.
1: Uh, Parkland.
0: Okay, now which one is... Okay.
1: That's the one that takes place in the hours Ah, after JFK
0: was shot. Yes, with Paul Giamatti as uh, Abraham Zapruder, right?
1: Yeah, but doesn't it just kind of look like actors playing dress-up? Doesn't it remind you of that film
0: Bobby that I didn't see? I did see Bobby, which is a perfectly fine film. Okay. That's as much as I would ever say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it does... It could be more than that. But, uh, you know, it sounds strange. There are certain uh, people say this about the Holocaust a lot, but I feel like there are other things. If you make a movie about, you know, Bobby Kennedy or John F. Kennedy, Mm -hmm. I feel like that sort of just gives you license to just like, hey, we're doing something associated with this thing that makes it interesting, right? I was like, well, I guess, sort of, but did you do it in an interest, in an interesting way? And perhaps Parkland is interesting. I don't know. It's got a good cast, and it might be, you know, uh, well done material. But yes, I know what you mean. It does seem like, like you're paying to see. It's like you're paying to see more just stuff about the Kennedy assassination, not necessarily the film itself. Right. Right. So yeah, I, I see what you mean.
1: Um, I don't know much about prisoners. I know that the guy who directed it, um, Denis Villeneuve. I don't know how to say his name. Okay. It's a French name, but he made a film a couple of years ago called uh, Incendies or Enfants. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Is supposed to be very good. Uh, I haven't seen it, um, and this has a decent cast mostly a decent supporting cast with Terrence Howard Viola Davis Maria Bello and Melissa Leo yeah but it's leads are Hugh Jackman Jake Gyllenhaal and Paul Dano two of whom I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, which one do you not like never been
0: a Jake Gyllenhaal fan
1: even though I can I'd love Brokeback Mountain and I think he's kind of the right guy for that yeah yeah
0: I liked him in Zodiac I
1: I I, I don't know that I, I love Zodiac but I don't know that he I'll say, he's like uh, okay the same way that I... This is also going to rubble some feathers, but I uh, I kind of, like Ryan Gosling, I kind of feel the same way, that both actors will probably be better once they realize they're not, like, 20 to 25 years old anymore.
0: Well, uh, so still is, it, is it them, or is it their agent, or the way Hollywood... I mean, they still get cast as that?
1: Uh, at their position they get to choose what they're cast in and, I and ryan gosling does get to choose what he's cast in and i liked only god forgives yeah um but uh, i i still think that i'm i'm waiting for them to grow up a little bit and be uh when they're like middle-aged character actors they'll both be much better i think than they are now
0: probably and i will say this i i like i do like uh jake gyllenhaal in zodiac but it's one of those things where like you said in Brokeback Mountain, you thought he was really the right guy for that role, and I agree. Uh, in he's Zodiac, to
1: be sort of there's a certain arrested development to him. Yeah. Whereas with Zodiac, when I see him with his kid, I'm like, how does that guy have a kid? Is well, 19
0: I, years old. Oddly enough, that's not what throws me. It's it's more just, I feel like he does what the part requires and nothing more. Okay. Uh, I feel like a, a number of actors probably could have done more with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and uh, this thing I'm talking about, growing old,
1: like growing older. There was a time I wasn't a huge huge Jackman fan, and I've really grown into liking him. Les Mis actually played a big part in in that last year.
0: I've been a fan of his for a long time. I really, he was my favorite part of uh, the Prestige. I thought he did really yeah, some yeah, I never great work that movie in that. Very much. And I remember, like, I liked him in Swordfish. I always thought he did a uh, a good job as Wolverine, as they were interpreting the character. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I think the cast all around is is pretty solid. Um, and and I, I remember so yeah it talked about vigilante thriller it's like all right well now we're in we're in good shape but uh, yeah who knows I I feel bad like there are some of these that I have strong opinions about and some that I don't and that was one that aside from the cast, I don't necessarily have a strong opinion about it so although I'm always in the mood for a good thriller
1: yeah uh, speaking of which Riddick is one that I'm actually kind of bummed that I uh, wasn't able to get a press screening for. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, we talked about, uh, I, I was talking about franchises and how I don't normally like them, but this is like, I liked pitch black. I mean, as a, I love pitch black. Uh, I wouldn't say I love it cause it still feels like it's, it, it feels like a real B movie aliens ripoff. But, yeah. But maybe it, I love it because
0: of, I wasn't expecting to like it at all. Yeah. when I, I was going to watch, I watched it with my friends as like a bad movie night and then it turned out to be pretty good.
1: Yeah. It's sort of got this like, uh, you know, workmanlike, shaggy dog kind of quality to it. Like it's, uh... oh, it it pulled that off. That's yeah, kind yeah. of how I feel about it. And then Chronicles of Riddick is god awful. I don't know if you ever saw it. I did not see it. it. Is so bad. It's you couldn't even do a bad movie night with it because the movie is deadening. It's just so awful. Uh, but Riddick is uh, was made essentially without um, studio involvement at all. It's being distributed by Universal, but they basically. David Tui and, and Vin Diesel essentially got to make, like, you can sort of, I, I don't know if you can uh, forget that Chronicles of Riddick happened, but you can sort of, this is the movie they wanted to make as the follow-up to Pitch Black, and I'm not saying that'll be good, but it will be interesting.
0: Well, it did seem like, between the two, because Pitch Black is a pretty small story, and then Chronicles of Riddick is like a, an epic, it has the word Chronicles in it. Yeah, and, and just, also
1: PG-13, whereas Pitch Black is R, yes, and yes. Riddick is R. Okay. Chronicles of Riddick was PG thirteen. All right,
0: so which it, also feels like studio
1: involvement. So
0: it would appear that in the Riddick saga, a phrase I don't like saying, <laughs> uh, it would appear that that was the one that kind of stood out, and that's the the outlier there. Uh-huh. Maybe.
1: Yeah. Hopefully. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm I hope that Riddick will be will be good. I wish I was going to get to see it for free. Um, Insidious Chapter Two. I never saw the first one.
0: Yeah, I heard good things about the Me first too. one. Uh, I, I I don't care.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I want to. I, I like a good horror movie. I don't see enough of them. Yeah, I didn't see The Conjuring. I'd like to because it's getting uh, you know, it's the uh, who direct, who one, directed that same guy who directed Insidious and, and right. Insidious Chapter Two. Right. So he's got two movies coming out within a few months of each other here.
0: Yeah, it's very strange. But um, yeah, it might it might be good. You never know.
1: I obviously have the, I'd like to see the first one first. Uh, okay, um, wrapping up September, uh, we've got Hell Baby, which I doubt would be very good, but I'm interested in because it's from uh, Tom Lennon and Ben Grant, and yeah. the guy has a lot of. Uh, a lot of comedy people in it.
0: Well, and they spend so much time writing shit that they don't care about that I'm interested uh-huh. to see the one they do.
1: Um, Salinger, doc- documentary about, about J.D. Salinger. Uh, I don't know much about it. Um, we I don't know if we'll have a review. Never mind. Uh, Mademoiselle C., did we get anyone to see that? We had a screening. What was that? Uh, Mademoiselle C.,
0: I don't, I don't think know. So. We got
1: offered a screening, and neither one of us could make it. I can't remember if anyone else will be able to go. Uh, we will have a review of the Muslim American stand-up comedy film. The Muslims are coming. Oh, all right. We got someone seeing that. Uh, Mother of George, I saw already. It's um, from the same cinematographer as Them Body Saints. And yes, I'm going to credit the cinematographer first with both movies because those are the thing that that's the thing that's best about both those movies. So Mother of George is a, a decent movie. Um, Starring the woman who plays Michonne on The Walking Dead, um, right. as a as a Nigerian immigrant to New York City. Um, anyway, it's uh, it's okay, but it is really pretty to look at. Uh, what else comes out? Um, this one I don't know how to say the name of W A D J D A.
0: Yeah, my first thought was uh, like would you? like Vajda, but oh. I'm like, nope, there's an extra D in there. Is it's it, not uh, not it, the would, Polish filmmaker. Is it? Would you <laughs> um. try try it one more time?
1: Would you? okay alright um so we'll have a review of that uh, yeah. uh on the uh, on the website and then um I didn't see Inequality for All but uh it was at the LA Film Fest when I was there and it, there was a lot of good buzz surrounding it mm-hmm. so that's September okay moving into October we'll start with Gravity again this is one that we talked about when we did our Comic Con wrap up um cause I was at the panel and I think you went to the off site uh thing for Gravity yes no? yeah okay um
0: any new thoughts since then, other than we both really want to see it? Yeah, okay. Well, I I feel like we might have said this before. Um, what was I saying? I think... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so when Jen and I went and saw uh, Elysium, um, she, uh, there was a trailer for Gravity, mm-hmm. and Jen was unfamiliar with it at all. Oh. I had seen the trailer and and one of the clips, and I looked... As the trailer was going on, I looked over at her to uh-huh. see her reaction. And I do wish this were a video podcast right now <laughs> because it was just like, <laughs> okay. I, I like, I wish basically yeah, just, no to, yeah, just clutching her, her fist, like by the side of her face and then like waving something like, D- no, go over there. And so, um, and that but that's the thing. That's, that's my reaction too. It's everybody's reaction. I, I want to see the movie desperately, but also, I don't ever want to see it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I will have a heart attack. Yeah. There's nothing that I mean they they end on the just the right shot. That shot of her in space, yeah. nothing around, no space station, not even a piece of debris, just her just spiraling out into space is so horrifying to me. Yeah. Like ah I, I want to see it, and, and at, how, I could also see never seeing it in my yeah, life. how are
1: you going to put up with that for however long the movie is? I hope it's not more than like 90 to 100 <laughs> minutes. I know.
0: It also seems like the type of premise that couldn't last that long. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, I'm excited about it.
1: Are we excited for Captain Phillips? I am. I'm a, yeah. You and I are big uh, Paul Greengrass fans going yeah. way back, and you still haven't even seen Born Ultimatum. But <laughs> 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 That's
0: not what I said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, you haven't seen it in a while. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a that's a notably different thing.
1: <laughs> okay, um, but we we both like Paul Greengrass.
0: Yeah, and it really, I'm excited for Tom Hanks this year because between this and Saving Mr. Banks, it looks like he's doing some really good work. And this especially, uh, he's already getting some some Oscar buzz for it. But uh, not that that necessarily matters. But it's just you know, it's a character. It, it's it's Tom Hanks playing playing an everyman. In a high-pressure situation. Yeah. He's great at both. Just like in Cloud Atlas. Just that. <laughs> You're talking, of course, about the treacherous doctor, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, but that's the thing. He's just... And he was great in Cloud Atlas. I liked him in oh, every yeah. part. But, like, this is something... It's not, it's not merely that it's in his comfort zone, because I don't think he'll be complacent. I think... I can't think of a better actor for this. But also, um, clearly... Okay, when you get to
1: beat Tom Hanks, you... Probably get to approve your directors or whatever. Yeah. Um. So he made the choice to work with Paul Greengrass, and I think yeah. that's super cool of him, too. Yeah. And, I mean, when you think about it, a lot about. It, just like th- it was when he worked with the Wachowskis and Tom Tickver. You know, yeah.
0: it was a cool choice. Yeah, I think he's trying to maybe not necessarily challenge himself, but I think it's just like, I want to work with good
1: yeah. artists. He's not willing to, yeah, just uh, fade away or to. Yeah. Or, not that he's close to retirement or anything, but you know what I mean? He's not willing to sort of. Just be, coast, beat De Niro, uh, you know. Yeah, and yeah, Get to a certain point. Yeah, coast is yeah. the exact part
0: And it. that's the thing is Paul Greengrass, I think, is absolutely the right director for this. When you think about it, a lot about this story does have a United ninety three quality to it, mm-hmm. and so the immediacy and the you are there quality, I think, will really um, will will really work out. And I remember uh, somebody mentioned to me uh, somebody who said that he is not at all a Paul Greengrass fan, and he said that he liked United ninety three because the chaos that comes with a Paul, uh, the visual style of Paul Greengrass film the chaos is limited by virtue of you're on a plane there's only so many places it's a, an environment we're familiar with there's only so many places the camera can roam right and so and when you think about it being stuck on a ship it's kind of the same thing yeah. even though we haven't it's all much been bigger on a ship. ship yeah than it is than the plane I'm right. assuming yeah. but it's still just being confined, while still having that chaotic visual style, I think I don't know. It's I'm I'm very excited for it. Are you excited? Because I'm not for Twelve Years a
1: Slave. Twelve Years a Slave. Sorry, I mumbled that.
0: Well, uh, I know that some people think it is. Uh, like on Facebook, there's a, a couple of people that I'm Facebook friends with, a couple of uh, online critics who have who are fairly well respected, and they loved it. And said it was just the most astounding thing and said and say that uh, she would tell she would tell Ejiofor, right, mm-hmm. uh, that he's t- turns in amazing work and deserves an Oscar and all that. And now, of course, uh, Steve McQueen is hit and miss with me. He did. I didn't see hunger. Oh, I didn't see hunger. No.
1: But he did Shame, which was miss and miss for me. Okay,
0: yeah. So, okay, yeah. I got him mixed up with with uh, somebody else. I get, for some reason, because of the Michael Fassbender thing, I was like, who did Fish Tank? No, that's oh, not him. Right. That's, that's, that's uh, a different Andrea thing. Arnold, I yeah. think, is her name. And I love Fish Tank.
1: I didn't see Fish Tank, but I saw her um, Wuthering Heights, which was amazing. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so, yeah. So, the only thing I have to go on is Shame, which...
1: Which I didn't like. And which, by the way, not to be silly, but this picture in Entertainment Weekly... Kinda of looks like maybe he's still in his shame character and he's coming on to Chibitella year 4 <laughs> And Chibitello's like, I'm not into that, man.
0: <laughs> Isn't that what the picture looks like? It does have that quality, yes. <laughs> um but uh But yeah, and so um I don't know. He's he's a very heavy handed director. Um and here in dealing with a, a true story of slavery, yes, of course. To a certain extent you need a heavy handed director to deal with that, but also I just feel like it could be almost oppressive, which again, dealing with slavery, that makes sense. But um I don't know. But I like Shiotel Ezio 4 I like that uh he's getting the opportunity to like turn in a really good performance. So it could it could be genuinely great. Mm-hmm.
1: What about the counselor? Speaking, sticking with Michael Fassbender as Entertainment Weekly chose to do.
0: Uh, I was talking with this. I was talking with uh, a friend of the show, Jason Eakin, about this. Uh, that so Cormac McCarthy wrote it directly for the screen, I believe. Oh, okay. Is that you. is that right? That was. Uh... I, I don't know. But yeah, and so um... yeah, it says
1: here that the script was. Written by Cormac McCarthy. It doesn't okay. say whether it's an adaptation, so yeah, okay. Right. But yeah, so
0: he wrote he wrote the the script, and so um, Ridley Scott's not a draw for me anymore. No, uh, I hate to put it that way. Uh, he had the opportunity to redeem himself with Prometheus and did not. Uh, I like this. Uh, I like this cast. Cormac McCarthy. I really. I feel like wow. With this cast and this material, yeah, Ridley, Ridley Scott could still ruin it. Uh, not ruined, but just, it could just become really middle of the road and who gives a shit. Uh, but you never know.
1: Uh, the fifth estate is the, um, Julian Assange movie directed yeah. by Bill Condon. Spe- speaking of hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it, uh, you know, I like to, as much as I can be negative. Sometimes I think on the podcast, I like to give the benefit of the doubt. And so
0: I'm going to hope that it's a hit. And it's got your, uh, your Daniel Brule in there.
1: And yeah. And
0: my Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. So. I like to think he's everybody's Benedict Cumberbatch. He really is. So, or as I like to call him, Khan. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm. I think it's going to be an interesting story. Especially the more I've read about Julian Assange, the more just he is a fascinating guy. Some people love him, some people hate him, but the people that love him. They need to find out more about him, and the people that hate him should find out more about him. He's just a very fascinating character. And Bill and Bill Condon, yes, he's the guy that did like the Twilight movies and, and uh, a couple of Twilight movies, but he also did Gods and Monsters, which yeah. I liked a lot, um, and he did Kinsey, which yeah, I liked. Which uh, one I like. Yeah. So yeah, it could be it could be genuinely good.
1: Um, one thing I learned from this article is that certain female fans of Benedict Cumberbatch refer to themselves as the Cumber bitches, which I don't like. I wish that weren't, weren't the case.
0: I guess if they're self applying it, that makes it okay, but I don't have to like it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, Romeo and Juliet? It's.
0: I like Haley Steinfeld. But, and uh, then
1: this is also written by Julian Fellows, or Death by Julian Fellows.
0: That's a step in the right direction. Uh, I like so that. So I'm,
1: I'm going to say ca- casting Young is something that. Um, I always like with Romeo, Romeo and Juliet yeah. because the story makes more sense if they're young. <laughs> Still doesn't look quite young enough, though. Like yeah, Again, right. it needs to be like yeah.
0: 15, 16-year-old. But, um, yeah. Okay. And then
1: I know Ed Westwick is in it, who was on Gossip Girl, and I'm a fan of his. Okay. Uh, but I'm not sure. I'm assuming he's probably playing Tybalt, but I don't know for sure.
0: Okay. Uh, so here's the thing. And I know this is probably terrible of me. Uh, this could be the most handsomely mounted production of Romeo and Juliet that I've ever seen and yet I don't care I just I'm I'm so familiar with the story that and I'm so familiar with the characters that I I don't know why I just I think I've I've seen a number of different versions of A Christmas Carol and I've never grown tired of it I've seen a number of different versions of Romeo and Juliet on stage and on screen and there's still power in it there's still interesting characters, but what? But like when I see, oh, someone's doing Romeo and Juliet, my first thought was like, oh, all right. Well, I, I don't know why, but I just don't care. I am surprised
1: care. to hear that from you because... I was right, Ed Westwick is playing Tybalt. Um, I'm surprised to hear that from you because the reason it's interesting to me is Julian Fellows, and I would have thought he would be at least as much of a draw for you as for me, if not
0: more. He is, but that's the thing, is... He's he's probably staying true to the text, and he might be editing it a little bit or whatever. I don't know if I don't know if he's staying totally true to the text, but well, I mean, that, if it's totally that's,
1: true. The movie's going to be five hours long.
0: Well, okay, so yeah, so he's going to cut <laughs> some stuff out. He's going to do what everyone does, is, and Paris is going to make it. But um, it's but that's the thing is like Julian Fellows is a draw for me if this was an original screenplay. I see, but it isn't. It's something that I'm already very familiar with, and I know that's a weird thing for me to say, and it could be a great movie, and I could watch it and love it, but it just doesn't... I mean, there's there's a lot of movies coming out this, this fall that look great, and this is not a priority. It's not on my radar at all.
1: So, I'm assuming that Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa is on your radar.
0: Now we're talking.
1: Do we have to say anything? No. Okay, um... All is Lost? I'm super excited about this. I didn't even see Margin Call.
0: I did, and I loved it.
1: And I want to see it. Speaking of Gossip Girl actors, Penn Badgley is in that. And you said he's good in that, right? He was. Um, Yeah, I'm really super excited for All is Lost. uh, Because it's a movie where there's almost no talking in it. Yeah. (laughs) I keep referring to um, the Entertainment Weekly here, which I I should. They're a good publication. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the script is only 30 pages long. And it's oh. a feature-length film, but there's only 30 pages of the script.
0: It, every new thing I find out about it, it makes me want to see it more. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll say this: you know, Robert Redford, I feel like doesn't get enough credit as an actor. People think of him as a director, good or bad. They think of him that way, and that he used to be kind of like kind of the golden boy in the in the 70s. But they don't. Th- I feel like he's gotten to the point where people don't think of him as a reliable actor i know i
1: think i kind of don't too i think i tend to think of him as someone who more represents um an age of hollywood that has excuse me did you see uh what was the the company we keep did
0: you see that no
1: it's not very good yeah a lot of what it is in my opinion is a sort of an apologia for formerly idealistic people who have Retired to Lives of Comfort. Yeah. And that's, not to be mean, that's kind of what Robert Redford represents to me. That he right. was a big part of a really vital part of American cinema and has now just sort of fallen into being, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Hollywood royalty and uh, not really being interesting. Yeah. Doing oh, the exact opposite of what we were talking about Tom Hanks doing.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I think, I, Hanks, I I I think think pl- I Tom Hanks. I think there's plenty of reason for people to not think of him a certain way. But, you know, uh, there's a movie that I know you're not a huge fan of called The Clearing. I don't yeah, love it, but but he's turning in really good work, I yeah. think. Uh, and no, 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 you know
1: that whole—I mean, I know obviously he's like top build in that movie, but when I think of the clearing, I think of uh, Helen Mirren and Matt Craven. Um, yeah, their scenes at the yeah. at the home. Um, that's what—that's the first thing I think when I think of that movie. Well, that's and I, think, I liked the most.
0: Yeah, I think it's because the scenes with him and Willem Dafoe are the type of thing. That you've seen in movies before whereas the other side of it you don't often see right. or at least not the way that film does it uh but good a- good acting all around and i liked him a lot in it sorry to go back to the clearing okay because that uh,
1: in a way those scenes at home are something you've seen in every ki- kidnapping movie but yeah. they're just done in a way that you've never done before yeah you know and i think there's I th- always the for those who haven't seen the clearing um robert redford plays a sort of ceo type who gets kidnapped by willem dafoe and then hella and plays his wife and matt craven plays the FBI agent who's running the operation out of her home, and so yeah. you've seen that in in ransom or in Man on Fire. You always see yeah. these sort of these sort of scenes where, like, the authorities talking to the family. You know, yeah. they, they uh, seem
0: to be mostly functional.
1: Yeah. Whereas in the Clearing, it's half the movie. Yeah. It's you know they're twin stories, and it's uh, it's the better part. In yeah. My
0: opinion. I think I think the movie is worth watching in general. I think it's first off just the general approach is one that I, I really am am on board with. But anyway, uh, so. I like, but that's the thing, the fact that Robert Redford is willing to do this movie is to me encouraging. It shows that I think he is yeah. willing to, I mean, I can't think of, I can't think more of like breaking out of your comfort zone than being in a largely, largely dialog movie by yourself yeah. in, in in horrible conditions. Yes, horrible conditions is a big part of it. Yeah. So, and it's odd that you just mentioned, I mean, we've been talking about Tom Hanks, like this seems like his, like Robert Redford's castaway.
1: Right. Except there's no Wilson. Exactly. Wait, I, that's actually uh, referred to in the article. Oh, really? Except there's no volley, volleyball companion. Huh, okay. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm, su- yeah. I'm actually super excited for All and,
0: and I'm a big fan of Margin Call. So, yeah, I think... Yeah,
1: I need uh, to, I need to, maybe I'll borrow that from you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very good. I think you'd like it a lot.
1: You got the Blu-ray. I like that. Yep. Um, Carrie.
0: I wouldn't care if not for Kimberly Pierce. Exactly.
1: Well, you know, and I... Despite not having seen the uh, the... Uh, kick-ass films mm-hmm. um uh i like chloe chloe grace moretz yeah. uh, and i like the idea of casting someone like we were talking with romeo and juliet casting someone who actually is quite young to yeah. play this this role is a uh, uh yeah I, I i would say that kimberly pierce and chloe grace moretz have made me against all odds interested in seeing carrie
0: yeah well and also i almost certainly will seen, see this you've seen the original right oh yeah okay which i don't so, love actually yeah, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of it, but uh, I'm going to assume that Julianne Moore is playing her mother, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. That could be cool. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that there's a lot of potential there.
1: Um. And uh, uh yeah, Judy Greer as well is, is in it. Who, I, who I like? Yeah, um, I like her a lot. Uh, I was about to say something about oh, the original Carrie to talk about why I don't like it very much. It's that the um, the comedy and the non-comedy aren't. Uh. Integrated well, yeah. It, it it goes from being like really acutely observed and sort of emotionally painful to being goofy and broad. Uh, it, go, and it goes back and forth the whole movie, and I don't, uh, it doesn't work for me.
0: You know, that's uh, okay. So, in talking about uh, recently, as we were talking about '90s movies, it got me thinking about what '70s movies are, and I was thinking about this uh, in regards to Saturday Night Fever as well. And there being like jarring shifts in tone is something I tend to think about in seventies film, and so I'm not yeah I'm not really surprised that that there's not a fluidity to carry. I feel I don't feel like Wait, there's a lot you, of you haven't seen it. No, you I have seen said? it. Okay, but yeah. just but I haven't seen it in so long. But you're right. Like it is. It's like okay, here's the horror scene. Here's the drama scene. Here's the comedy scene. They will never be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, and just and I I feel like that's a it seems to be a very 70s mentality, which, I don't know, because, it, it, like, when I when I watched Saturday Night Fever, I remember just being like, man, they don't make movies like this yeah. anymore for good or ill. I don't know. It was um, very interesting. So, like, at the some point... The okay.
1: keeping with horror, is the original Last House on the Left, which I don't know if you've ever seen it. Don't. No, I,
0: I'm not planning on it.
1: I, it, it I, I guess it has a reputation for a reason, because it is horrifyingly brutal, but it's also like I'm not exaggerating when it's what I'm saying it goes from, from again horrifyingly brutal realistic rape murder scenes to uh, a like sheriff deputy combo who are right out of Smokey and the Bandit. Like I'm not I'm not even like I can't even get across to you how much I'm not exaggerating that. Okay, it's so stupid. Uh, it's and, uh, and offensive. Hmm. Uh, I really hate that movie. Okay, there's not a lot of movies that I hate. We should do an episode on that sometime. We have.
0: Really? Yeah. It was called Movies We Hate. Josh Long was on it.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping we didn't do that early on when we were just being, like, tongue-in-cheek or, like... No, you know, I, being, t- like, I took it like, very like, seriously. We actually took it seriously.
0: Yeah. I believe I probably talked about Life of David Gale.
1: Uh, I would probably, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Listeners, by the way, this is something that happens a lot where I think of a topic that we should do that we have done less than six months ago. <laughs> All right, um, so that's Carrie. Uh, escape plan? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like the um, the novelty of the Expendables type thing is worn off.
0: Except, and that's the thing, I haven't seen any of the Expendables movies. Yeah, I enough. know that Schwarzenegger and Stallone are, are in them, but, uh, but I don't think they share a whole lot of screen time, whereas this, they really are the two... Main characters. There's kind of a rivalry there. Um, I think they're really interested in putting that together. I did. I did happen to see a trailer. It mostly looks incredibly dumb, but there's some elements that look kind of interesting. Not that I'm going to see the film, but I'm sure it's. I'm everything. It, everything about it, like, like look at the picture that they put on there. It's just there's a prison. There's Arnold Schwarzenegger looking at Sylvester Stallone, who looks angry. That's the movie. Like that's that's the movie right there. Yeah. And so I feel like I don't need to actually see it.
1: Okay, um I don't know much about Runner Runner except that it's um it's another poker movie from the writers of Rounders. Um and Rounders okay. is a decent.
0: Do you yes, like it? I do like it. It's that's John Dahl, right? Uh
1: John Dahl directed it. Yeah. yeah. Um Brad Furman directed this. I don't know that name, I don't think. Um Yeah, but uh, it's got uh, What what are you If we talked about Justin Timberlake as an actor, and whether or not I feel like we have.
0: Uh
1: not um, not a lot, and I'm not
0: I, I'm not remarkably familiar with him as an actor. I've seen him in, I guess, I think like three things.
1: I've seen him in, well, Social Network. What are yeah. the other ones?
0: Because I didn't see The Love Guru. I saw Alpha Dog. I didn't see Alpha Dog. And I saw Black Snake Mountain.
1: I didn't see Black Snake Mountain. So maybe I've only seen him in the Social Network, where I feel like, kind of like what we talked about earlier with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Brook Mountain, like, yeah, a Justin Timberlake type seemed right for that, but I don't know that I... Uh, I, I guess the jury's still out for me on whether or not he has a uh, range. Yeah.
0: He was, I, I feel like he was absolutely the right person to play the character in social network. I feel like his natural charisma as a, as a performer uh, came through and the character himself is something of a rock star in that community. So it makes sense. But, and I, and I thought he was fine in Black. I thought he, he did some good stuff in black snake moan, nothing that a, that a James Franco or something couldn't have done better. Um, and then what was the other one? Alpha Dog. Oh, he's pretty... You know what? He's pretty good at Alpha Dog. Uh, he really does some stuff there that I wasn't expecting, where he seems strangely... He's still, charismat- he's still charismatic, but the character is... First off, there's some homoeroticism to his relationship with Emil Hirsch. He might be vaguely in love with him. But more than anything, he just seems... He's a lackey.
2: Hmm.
0: And, and you would never think of... Justin Timberlake yeah. as being a lackey, but he genuinely plays it well. You know what? Thinking back on Alpha Dog, I'm—he might never do that that uh-huh. well again. But I see that he actually does is able to adapt to what the role requires. So okay, um, maybe not as well as another actor would, but you never know.
1: Now uh, Diana, starring Naomi Watts as Princess Diana. This is like a carry situation where I wouldn't be interested except for who the director is yeah because uh i feel like us dude listeners might know because i mentioned it before but any nazi or holocaust movie is a hard sell for me yeah um I, I don't. You know. I don't want to sound disrespectful, but it's just there's so many of them that it begins to feel rather exploitative.
0: Yeah, because uh, it's like, are you bringing some? It's not unlike the sequel thing. Are you bringing something new to this discussion? Because yeah. a lot of people have been talking about it for a long time. And if you're not, then you're kind of cashing in.
1: Yeah. And so all that said, downfall is great. It's a really good yeah. movie. So the fact that he's doing, and I know his only his last English language movie was uh, the invasion, which was uh, oh yeah. one of those. You know he got taken off it it got um see sort of secretly they re uh shot most of it with the director um who did v for vendetta james mcteague is that his name i don't remember
0: now but anyway, there is somebody named james mcteague
1: the guy who did v for vendetta they brought in and he like uncredited redirected most of the invasion so you can't really okay. blame oliver herspiegel for that right. movie, which i never even saw but uh so Um, But him doing another uh, biopic, and especially like with Downfall, another one that's um, sort of like Lincoln was last year. It's not a story of Lincoln's life. It's just this one period, and so it details her relationship with... um, uh, I'm looking at the name here. Hasnat Khan, who was a British Pakistani surgeon. Khan! Yeah, but this, uh, played by Naveen Andrews. I like him. Yes, of Lost and of The English Patient. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think of Lost first?
0: I do, but I do think of him... When I think of The English Patient, I do think of him quite a bit. He looms large in that Yeah, he's one of the better parts of the movie. Um, Yeah, my concern is just... I know it sounds... Maybe this is unfounded, but just... Princess Diana has been pretty much sainted, uh-huh. and any movie that's going to deal with her runs the risk. And this is about her fighting again, trying to ban landmines. Yeah. So it's just like, I I get the feeling this is not going to be a full character. Yeah. But yeah. you never know.
1: Yeah. This might. Uh, this could be an Edwards Wick film, <laughs> which I would. I've always liked. I'm a defender of Edwards Wick. Yeah, you like it more than I do. Uh. But yeah, he's not a. There's not a lot of nuance or depth to his films. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, Kill Your Darlings. Um, I could not
0: be less interested in something about the Beat Poets.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I Now, unlike On the Road last year, which was not good. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? No. Um, keep that up. Way to go. Okay. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> All right. Keep not having stay yeah, on the st- Road. stay the course. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but unlike that, I'm interested in this cast, because I like Dana Radcliffe, and as mentioned, I like Dane DeHaan. Yeah. And Daniel Radcliffe is playing Allen Ginsberg.
0: Well, and it's got Jack Houston in it. And you haven't seen any Boardwalk Empire, have you?
1: No, but I feel like I know him from something.
0: He, I think he's been in some other things, but he's really great. So, yes, this is a good cast, but I feel like they're going to be wasted playing characters I don't like, have no sympathy for, and find remarkably boring.
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, of of the beats, Allen Ginsberg is the most interesting to me. I've, I've because what, I feel like he wasn't... You know, who was it who... Oh, I can't remember who it was. Like, some famous novelist said about On the Road that isn't writing, it's typing. Uh, And uh, I I feel like that's funny and probably true of Jack Kerouac, but but, um, despite Allen Ginsberg being a part of this um, whole bullshit pretentious scene that is completely unrelatable to me, I do feel like he had... Real talent.
0: Yeah, I think he was talented, but I've also, in some way, shape, in a number of different forms, have seen interviews with him, and I just find him to be not merely because I disagree with him on a number of things, but I also just it's the way he believes in things that I find remarkably insufferable. And admittedly, this you know that doesn't mean that the character is going to be like that. And I'm I'm interested to see what Daniel Radcliffe does with the role. Um, but it is one of those things, and that's the thing. It's not as though I only see movies with characters I like. Uh-huh. But I just I get the feeling that it's going to probably over, overly romanticize stuff that I think is horseshit, and I just will not be that interested.
1: Yeah, that's how I felt about. Uh, that's how I felt about um, on the road, and actually, that's how I'm looking up Jack Houston. That's also how I kind of felt about not fade away, which is what I know okay. him from. And I also know him from the um, HBO miniseries Parade's End, which was super great, okay. starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Ugh,
0: <laughs> um, sounds awful
1: yeah it's terrible all right let's let's move on then uh blue is the warmest color hearing a lot of uh lot yeah of chatter it, about this one is
0: it what okay uh looking at the article here yeah it won the the palm door at uh con so but also, that's that's where i first heard
1: about i was it. at a press screen the other day and um one of my favorite slash least favorite things to do is just listen to other critics talk about the movies they've seen mm-hmm. to one another because uh most of them are just just intolerable people but um, uh, a number of people were... Uh, one guy in particular was complaining that blue is the one color, that one-third of it is essentially pornography. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that's, a, if that's a selling point for you or, or not, but um, I'd say the Palm d'Or is a bigger selling point for me.
0: Probably, yes.
1: Again, I'm not going to try and act like I'm too good for pornography, but I don't need to pay 15 bucks and go to an art house theater to see it. It's free everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh, you know, after uh, after I'm all done, I can try to imagine these people's lives, and I'm sure they're very complicated.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I'm you know, I'm, I'm sure it's more than just pornography. Maybe maybe this guy was just even more of a prude than I am. Perhaps. Um, machete kills. Who gives a shit? Okay, we can move on. Um, Bad Milo comes out. I've seen it. It is terrible. Um, uh, Lynn Sanity, documentary about jeremy lynn uh all the boys love mandy lane we'll, we'll have a review of that oh cbgb are you are no, you interested
0: in this only the title i enjoyed you saying it
1: um but you know what cbgb is no uh it's the
0: uh it was it's the when f- someone like creeps you out right
1: no <laughs> yeah no cbgb it stands for country blue guys and blues which was okay. ironic because it ended up becoming the bar uh, slash venue in new york that gave birth to punk and new wave okay it's where the ramones played their first shows talking heads blondie television richard hell and the Voidoids, uh, voids uh all that stuff came out of the cbgb scene um and uh i guess maybe this is just me being uh being punk rock but it's sort of like how that uh museum in new york did a whole uh, exhibit on like the fashion of punk rock, and mm. it's like to me, there's nothing less punk than being in a museum, and so a movie being made, you know, a period piece movie being made about the CBGB, about CBGBs, is uh, uh, just uh, really
0: <laughs> really repulsive to me. It's got and Rupert Grint in it, though. I like him. I
1: like him, but Alan Rickman is playing Hilly Crystal, who was the guy who owned uh, the, hmm. the place. I don't know, it's the guy. It's from the guy who made Bottle Shock, which I uh, was kind of interested um, in.
0: I saw that on a plane. Oh, you did? Yeah. Did you like it? It was all right.
1: Okay, but that also has Ellen Rickman, yeah. right? I don't know, maybe this is
0: just me not
1: wanting, not that I was around, that I wasn't even born, you know, when the Talking Heads played their first show, but no. uh, that was the stuff that I discovered in high school that, like, helped identify a lot of my personality and worldview, and i uh maybe just not ready to see that uh, in a...
0: You know, any movie. anytime a movie, and we're talking about a little bit with uh, "Kill Your Darlings." Um, anytime a movie wants to, or a TV show portrays something that was like countercultural, or or uh, you know had a cult status, um, or kind of set itself up as being not the norm, I feel like the more countercultural it was the more totally mainstream and easily digestible the movie will be. Right. Even a movie like that I that I enjoy, though admittedly I haven't seen in a long time. Something like Man on the Moon.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean
0: Andy Kaufman was really committed to just no one liking him. He uh-huh. was gonna do what he was going to do, and if no one liked him, so be it. And it made him just astounding to me. Uh-huh. Uh even if I even if I personally didn't like him, which I probably wouldn't. Um but then Man on the Moon, like kind of sands the the edges off it and makes, makes him everything kind of adorable yeah it makes him kind of this this magical pixie type yeah. who's was just who thinks on a different level than we do and which he probably did but just like yeah maybe let's explore the fact that he probably didn't have a lot of friends uh-huh. because he was committed to being this thing and so i feel like and it's it's something that um as time has gone on i've uh I've developed something of a of a respect for twenty four hour party people. A, f- a film that I did not have a great yeah. deal of fondness for when I first I don't saw. Think it. I knew that because I loved it right off the bat. Yeah, I just I, there was a lot of stuff I liked about it, but I just felt like ah, but it's just it, it was hard for me to like get invested in because it didn't you know the characters were not the type that you could get invested mm-hmm. in easily. But I then I realized like well that's the that's kind of the point. Well, yeah, the movie of like, the of the film.
1: Um, and now I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name that Steve Coogan plays. Uh Tony uh I don't know what I'm Yeah, Tony's all I got. I don't uh, remember. But um And it might not is it
0: Tony? Now I'm questioning I'm almost
1: it. entirely sure it's Tony, I'm gonna okay. look it up. But the thing that's funny if you know about that guy, which I swear I do even though I don't know his name, um, is that the movie seems really like smug and clever and really pleased with itself. And then you find out about him and it's like, oh, the movie's just taking on who he was as a person. Right.
0: right. And so it's so I feel like, I don't know, what what were we talking about with that? Oh, yeah, we were talking about CBG and yeah. just... Tony Wilson. Okay. Just, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of some examples like, of like movies that want to portray a certain person and the mentality that they were, that that person lived out. I guess to a certain yeah. extent, you've got like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which was willing to be as just awful uh, yeah. and crazy as that's, these characters were. That's a good were. example.
1: Um, another one I like um, is Velvet Goldmine, which manages to be about Iggy Pop and David Bowie by making characters that aren't, you know, that's not who the, that's not, those aren't the characters' names in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a fictionalized movie that is inspired by Iggy Pop and David Bowie. Yeah. And uh, that, I don't know, have you seen it, Velvet Goldmine?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I saw it when it first came out. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah. I like that one.
1: All right, um, moving on to November, which I didn't even realize until I saw this that despite being at the panel at comic-con that the hunger games catching fire was coming out this fall i thought i assumed it was like next summer or next spring since the first one was in the spring yeah but uh this but now that i think about it the reason that um uh gary uh who directed the first one gary ross Ross. the reason he didn't direct the second one is he didn't want to agree to the rushed Hmm. uh time frame interesting he, he didn't want to rush through production francis lawrence apparently had no such qualms yeah uh
0: well gary ross does not work that often and so i feel like maybe he just is like ah, i need i need at least five years i think he did
1: what i would like to think i would do in that he had a, a mega hit with big and probably lives comfortably enough that he's like I can do what I want. I'm sure not that he's never made Like all his mo- movies make money, you mm-hmm. know, Seabiscuit, Pleasantville, no. uh, Hunger Games obviously is a huge thing, but he probably lives comfortably enough and not extravagantly that he can choose to do this. He had his big hit and now he can make yeah. the films he wants to make. And I'd like, if I were a creative person like that, who were, who was making movies, that's how I like, I like to think that I would be. I hope so. That I would just... I wouldn't, like, go buy a mansion in Malibu. I'd buy a decent house somewhere, you know, in Hollywood or whatever.
0: I feel like I'd still live in the valley. There's some nice places in the valley. Toluca Lake is okay. There are definitely some... Uh, Toluca Lake feels a little...
1: Like, it has a little less personality. Than uh, that places. is true.
0: At Toluca Lake and Burbank, like, that whole area does yeah. seem a little uh, insulated. Yeah. And uh, safe. Yeah. But... Anyway. Okay, moving on. Um, Catching Fire. We've talked about it before. I'm I'm, I'm interested. I'm actually very excited about it. I think uh, that I had some issues with the the first film, and I think actually getting Gary Ross away from it uh, and getting in a different director, I think will take care of some of those. Really? Um, And also, I think just the nature of the story being told. uh, I don't know much about the story. I I, I, I only ever read the first book. It's s- less about the games now, you know. The but first there one is another is, game in this one. Yeah, but this one, but the first one was all about that. This is about a lot of stuff outside of it, and there is a game as well. But there's a lot of like intrigue, like a lot of the stuff that was kind of hinted at in the first film that I really liked uh, and wanted more of. Uh, it looks like this is going to have more of that, and also I just really enjoy the. I think I'm going to enjoy Philip Seymour Hoffman's uh, yeah. being evil, um, but also I just think Francis Lawrence is probably a better. I think he's a better director. Really? Yeah. I think he's a very
1: different director. And and I think Gary Ross
0: is a good writer and a good producer.
1: Uh, I, I'm I'm a big defender of Francis Lawrence, but I also like Gary Ross a lot. Um, yeah, he's capable. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, I do have that thing that I talked about with Anchorman, like just the fact that it's a sequel is a little bit of a turnoff for me. Yeah.
0: But uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, but this is admittedly not a sequel – where they looked at the success of the first film and decided to make a second one. Like they just went back to the book. There was more story to tell and so they're just telling more story. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure if the first one had totally tanked, they might not be so interested in telling that other story, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Um The Best Man Holiday. I never saw The Best Man from 99. Did you?
0: Oh. No, I didn't. I didn't know this I didn't know that's what it was, but yeah, I guess it is.
1: Yeah, so I mean this is a very that's a 14 year uh gap between between films that's a that's a long one uh i never saw it um i don't really know i guess malcolm d lee is the director who did the first one as well but i do like the cast you know it's got Tay Diggs, terrence howard um nia long what do i know her from
0: i know her primarily from boiler room
1: oh yeah yeah yeah. um but uh lathan i'm a big fan of um did you ever see um oh fuck what's it called love and basketball no, I heard good things a about it, though. It's a yeah. great movie. Great um, movie. Morris Chestnut I like, and then he's not listed in the main cast here, but he's in the picture, Harold yeah. Perrineau. Mm-hmm. We're both big fans of him. All right. Um, Grace of Monaco. Nicole Kidman plays Grace Kelly.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in this just because that aspect of Grace Kelly is, to me, fascinating.
1: Yeah, but... Did you okay? So I always go straight to the director. Um, yeah, it's just my style. Um, and it's the guy who made La Vie en Rose, the Edith Piaf documentary that.
0: Which I know. You, Marion Cotillard uh, won. Not, not the documentary.
1: Not the documentary. Sorry, sorry the yeah. biopic. Is what yeah, I would yeah. Say thank you. Um, Marion Cotillard deservedly won an Oscar for her performance, mm-hmm. but that's the only good part of the movie. It's not a very good movie. It's a very sort of by the numbers, okay. uh, kind of biopic, and so that's what I'm afraid that this will be.
0: Yeah, I do feel like it'll probably be – It could, there's the potential of it being just sort of, hey, here's some stuff that happened. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I there's always the potential uh, for, you know, uh, I mean, a Hollywood actress that is beloved and has a certain degree of uh, autonomy and can do what she wants and then being part of, you know, a royal – Life and like the contrasting the differences and maybe some of the similarities there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of potential there. And I think Nicole Kimmon could play the part very, very well. Um, But yeah, it's there's also I could also see it really not living up to the potential of that story, which is unfortunate.
1: All right, Ender's game. There's only one question I have. Okay. How do you pronounce that kid's name?
0: I think Asa. Asa, yeah, because okay. he was in he was in Hugo, and I I think I remember somebody uh, in the publicity mentioning Asa. I think it's that
1: because I hate reading it. <laughs> I really do. Like I wish I could skip over it. It's sort of like you know what else I really I, I know I shouldn't judge a person, but like they didn't choose choose their name. But we talked about Carrie. Kimberly Pierce spells her last name incorrectly. I know it's backwards and it looks like it's like it's glaring to me. It looks like a typo. Yeah. Every time
0: it always feels like it should be written in crayon. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. Um, So anything else about ender's game?
0: (laughs) Just, you know, like I, I think we mentioned, I think we talked about it in our comic con thing, but Gavin hood is not a director that is dependable. Uh, he did X Men Origins Wolverine, mm-hmm. uh, which I hear is mostly incompetent, particularly in its use of visual effects. Oh, um, and uh, and this is a film that's nothing but visual effects, so I could see him just settling for things that aren't very good. Um, but then also, uh, I saw a Rendition, which is a clunky oh. ass movie. Yeah,
1: that does not have a good. Yeah, I remember I remember Ebert's review being yeah. scathing.
0: And then like the film that he is known for, and then I think won an Oscar for correct.
1: I don't know if he won uh, for Totsi? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, that one i didn't actually see, yeah, but I also I heard some I heard some people say that it was actually overrated, okay. so okay, moving on
1: last Vegas I wish I could be i mean I like the idea of seeing these four guys together, but it doesn't look
0: yeah john like John kind of is not a uh director that draws yeah. me in yeah um I think of him as one of the uh isn't he one of the stable part of the stable of directors of like a Jerry Bruckheimer.
1: Well yeah, he did the I think he did did he
0: do both the National Treasure movies. He did at least the first he one. He did one of them, yes. I don't yeah. remember which one or both. But uh but yeah, and so it does feel like maybe Simon West did the other one. I did, I get I get the st- I think I think he might have actually. Okay. Um yeah, I get a strong uh bucket list vibe from this. Yeah. You know. Like hey, wouldn't you it what you said like, "Oh, I'm excited to see those actors together." I feel like that's not unlike seeing that picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. I feel like this picture of like, hey, look at these three guys. Look at these guys occupying the same frame. That's interesting. Yeah. The one thing that gets me... would
1: just have like a roundtable interview where those guys told stories from their careers? <laughs> that... That would be better than... Ebert
0: one. always quoted Siskel as saying, is this movie as interesting as the same actors as filming the same actors eating lunch together? <laughs> you know? And just... And in this case, I have to assume it's probably going to be no. You never know. And... Yeah. I do like Kevin Klein. Anytime he's given the oh, opportunity yeah. to be in a movie, I'm excited about it.
1: Well, do you know somebody Kevin Klein? What's that? Do you want to know where he's from?
0: Huh? Hang on, let me try to. <laughs> Is he from? I'm gonna say Tampa. Is he from Tampa? I know you're a big fan of Tampa. No, he's from St. Louis. Oh man.
1: Um, Thor: The Dark World. I'm interested. Uh, again, uh, I don't like sequels very much, mo- <laughs> or I, I generally dislike sequels, but I. Uh, largely enjoyed Kenneth Brown is Thor. Mm-hmm. And um, Alan Taylor is a f- TV director I've been a fan of for, you know, most of my adult life. Yeah.
0: And so. let me ask you this, because I'm, as far as Game of Thrones, I'm unfamiliar with his work for the most part. Uh, and even though that is a very epic show in many ways as mm-hmm. far as scale, um, do you think, he's still a TV director, and do you think he will be able to rise to the occasion of of film? Yes, I do think he will be. Able okay.
1: To. Because I think honestly um if you're looking at what Alan Taylor's done on TV and what Kenneth Branagh had done previous to Thor, there's not much gap between them. Yeah. You know, Kenneth Branagh also wasn't working with uh visual effects on a large scale. Yeah. And I thought he did well with that in and probably had a lot of help from you know, I always assume in cases like this that like yes there's the director but I don't imagine like the the scene the scene at the beginning of Thor where Thor and his gang fight those ice monster things Yeah, you yeah. know I don't actually imagine Kenneth Brennan sitting down choreographing that Yeah, like, probably, or, not. or at least not by himself you know so I'm assuming they have help with that kind of with the action stuff because Marvel has a lot invested in this yeah. Uh, yeah maybe Joss Whedon had a because I know he's I know Joss Whedon now like gets a, he's like in addition to being the Avengers director, he's also, like, creative director of the Marvel. Like, he has some sort of...
0: He's like the dire- the director in residence or something <laughs> like that. But,
1: he, like, he, you know, has some sort of say, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, all right. Now we're getting to what I'm interested in. The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Because um, I mean, it's Martin Scorsese, whom I like, but it's also about 80s Wall Street, which I'm a big fan of, including the movie Wall Street, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Uh, are you a fan of Wall Street?
0: I am very much so.
1: Yeah, um, so uh, I'm super. I don't know what I don't really I don't know what else to say about it. It just, I mean, it's
0: as all okay. So, I, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Hugo, uh, but I'm excited to see uh, Martin Scorsese delve back into a certain degree of decadence and explore what that looks like, exploring the glamour of it, mm-hmm. but also the downfall aspect, and it just looks like. And maybe it's just a well-put-together trailer, but it just really looks like there's a real vibrance to it. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, and I'm sure DiCaprio is doing a good job, I'm all, I always like seeing him not be dour. Yeah. And I and so I'm looking forward to that. But also, I'm really excited to see that Jonah Hill performance. Uh-huh. And and Matthew McConaughey. Have you seen the trailer
1: for no, it? No, I haven't seen the trailer. I know it's got Kanye West music in it, right? Okay. Which I, li- I like. I'm a yeah. big fan of anachronistic mu- music in, yeah. in movies and movie trailers. Because I feel like... I don't know. This isn't enough for a whole... I mean, we could do a top-of-show discussion on this sometime. If music is non-diegetic, then I don't care if it's within the time period. Yeah. That, I don't so you're care a big fan or, of a, a Knight's Tale. <laughs> Actually, I mean, there's some things about the movie that I think, uh, you know, it, it goes a little too far with some stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really do like that. Or But there's also like the... Um, That one sequence of that one Mad Men episode, it opens with all the women of Mad Men, like a montage of them getting ready for the day, and it's set to a Decemberist song. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess it's a little, that was a little jarring at the time because Mad Men does tend to use period-specific music. Yeah. But there's
0: no reason that should be a problem. Yeah, it's just something we all kind of accepted that like, oh, well, this is, it's like, well, yeah, there's no music playing
1: anyway. Yeah.
0: So (laughs) we're all willing to accept that there's music playing where there isn't. And, so why not just make this take this extra step? Yeah, um,
1: uh, but, but I don't yeah. know if you read if you read this article. But you know we've were, we were just been talking about Edgar Wright and how you know the, the idea that Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End are a trilogy, even though mm-hmm. they're not the same story or characters at all. They're like a thematic trilogy, right? And you think about that with certain other directors, you know, Kieslowski and and uh, Eric Romer um, did stuff like that. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio here talks in the article about how in his mind django unchained great gadsby and the wolf of wall street are like a trilogy for him because in each they're each about 60 years apart from one another and in each one he is playing a wealthy white american man of power Hmm. uh, and and sort of um investigating those types of people at different times in american history Hmm. that's interesting yeah
0: yeah, it's. I'm. And you know what? I know you don't like to see trailers, but I also know that you are a, a respecter of a good trailer. Uh-huh. Uh, seek this one out. You, okay. you, you owe it to yourself. It's a well put together thing.
1: Yeah, I like Kanye West. What do we know about The Book Thief? Almost nothing. Okay. It's based on a 2006 novel, it stars Jeffrey Rush and Emily Watson.
0: Kid's story about a girl in Nazi Germany. Uh huh. <laughs> Directed
1: by uh, Brian Percival of Downtown Abbey.
0: <laughs> um. I, now I will say this: It is narrated. I'm looking at the uh, description. It's narrated by Death, not a sickle wielding grim reaper, but a wry, likable, and witty figure, like James like-
1: Sadler, <laughs> in the aforementioned Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey.
0: I don't know, but I like the idea of that. That sounds kind of neat. It could also be a little too cutesy, but I, I don't know. I like the idea yeah. of that. So yeah, that, that looks interesting. I like. I always like Jeffrey Rush
1: okay i don't care about delivery man i don't think but it could be good uh, you know jury obviously remains out until But i just it feels a little too high concept for me what is it uh vince Vaughn plays a guy who when he was younger and s- struggling and didn't have a shit together donated a lot of sperm and has then finds out that he is the father to 533 different kids okay and i don't know he tries to track them down or something i don't know it just feels very high concept
0: yeah I like Chris Pratt. I see that he's in it.
1: And Kobe Smulders, of who, yeah. whom I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah. Going to be bad, but...
1: High concept plus Vince Vaughn.
0: You know what? He's... Yeah. Uh, that's what you were going to say. <laughs> well, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. It's... Uh, this A concept like this, where it's this guy meeting all his kids and stuff, it, it, there's a high potential for... Uh, and the Vince Vaughn thing. It could be like, oh, he's this motormouth guy, but... Once he starts meeting his kids, he's going to soften up a little bit, and there's going to be, like, I think it'll be a little treacly. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. Uh, old boy. Have we talked about this? I think we have. Um, um, I like Spike Lee. I do, too. I don't know what it is about... I don't know why he's the one to make this movie. One could make the argument he's not.
1: But no, the fact that he wanted to makes me think he's got something to say. He doesn't... I mean, has he ever done a remake before? I
0: Not to my knowledge.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I feel like... Spike Lee is the kind of director who, like we were talking about Gary Ross, he doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. Yeah. And I feel like that's the way it is with Spike Lee. Uh, he must have something, some reason he wants to tell this story.
0: Yeah, but as we've seen from other movies, simply him wanting to do something doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it well.
1: No, but it could be interesting no matter what. Yes, has that Spike is, Lee ever made a movie true. that was just boring? Like, he's made some that <laughs> weren't very good, but has he had a, 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 a Nick, I, I don't think I've ever been bored by a Spike Lee movie. No, pro- I guess not. I do expect to possibly be bored by Spike Jones' movie, Her. Why do you expect that? Because he wrote it. I know. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's definitely the rub there. Uh, I I don't know that the guy's that that's where his strengths uh, lie.
0: I could see him writing a script that could be described as unfocused. <laughs> um, and I feel like it could be that, but it's still Spike Jones as a director, and so perhaps. He will still have good instincts as a director and and maybe the script is really great, but also it's a good cast. I like Joaquin Phoenix is a draw for me. Like he is somebody that is always going to be interesting.
1: I yeah, think. I, I agree. Maybe I'm just getting I don't know. I'm getting kind of fed up with movies about guys with girl problems. You know, like there's this is a great Black Phoenix is a star, and you've got a great female cast here, Mm -hmm. Scarlett Johansson, Amy Adams, and Rooney Mara, but they're all, based on the premise, they're all sort of revolving around him. You know? Well, he is the main character. That's what I'm saying. Well, well, you know, I I guess I'd be... uh, you know, maybe this is just my politics shining through, but this movie were called Him, and it were ruining Mara, and then, like, Joaquin Phoenix and uh, Jason Schwartzman and Justin Long were, like, rotating around her. I'd be more interested in seeing that movie.
0: That's one of the reasons that I like uh, You Can Count on Me so much. mm mm-hmm. um, But that's the thing is, you know, it's... I hate to say it, but... Uh... It is the story that he's telling. Now, maybe the, you can make the argument that it's not a story that needs to be told because it's been told in, you know, ad nauseum over right. the years. And so but at the same time, like and, and I think even even in this episode, we've talked about like, oh, I've se- you know, with Romeo and Juliet, I've said well, I've seen it a million times. Like so even even I understand the idea of, you know, unless you're going to bring something new to it once again, as we were talking about, then really, why are you doing this again? But, uh, and we won't know until we've seen it, if it's exa- worth, worth telling. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but yeah, and I don't know when, when dealing with issues like that, where it's where it's like, okay, it's another story about a man who has woman problems as opposed to a story about, you know, a woman who has man problems. But let me ask you this. Uh huh. Hopefully you do not, you're not offended by this question. <laughs> Would then would you then be frustrated that oh they finally make a movie about a woman and it's all about how she has a problem getting a man like at like at what point you talked about your politics shining through at what point would you then be satisfied?
1: Yeah, I guess you know what you you poked a hole because if it's if it's truthful if there's truth and honesty in it then I will yeah. like it no matter what.
0: Yeah, that's I remember you said something to me a long time ago, um, and I don't remember the exact specification, but I th- I'm I sure think it was we- sage. Sage wisdom, sage advice. And you were burning sage at the time. It was very strange. Sage is generally a watchword with me. (laughs) I do enjoy the word watchword. Um, But uh, I think we were talking about Training Day, and I um, I remember you and I were talking about the idea of, at the time, that was considered a black movie, and it would appeal to black audiences. I mean, I remember we read that somewhere. Okay. And I remember I... I kind of took issue with that, um, and but I don't remember I don't remember who took what position. But I remember you and I in talking uh, about it, we came to this conclusion: it like a movie's not necessarily for and. And you and I have gone on to talk about it specifically with like chick flicks. Uh-huh. I'm sorry to use the term, but yeah, you know what I mean. that's I know um, what you mean, though. But like, if a movie's good, it can be for anybody. Anybody that can appreciate is like, hey, this is a film about the human condition and then, as it turns out I'm a human.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I may not be I may not know what it's like to be black. I may not know what it's like to be a woman or, you know, any number of things, but if it gets it right then there'll be a relatability and and you have talked about if a film is like the more specific a film is, somehow the by weird it's counterintuitive, but by weird Happenstance. The more specific it is, the more general it can be. Yeah, and the more it's about it, all of us. That's
1: you know the example I always use of that is uh, you know I'm I haven't seen it in a while so I don't know if this holds true but I've always liked I always used to like Neil Labute's Your Friends and Neighbors mm-hmm. except for it does that thing where they never say what city they're in, and yeah, that's annoying to me because like somebody ordering a beer. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I hate that. Um, and that, but the reason that's annoying to me is because there's no one who doesn't live in a place with a name like that. It's not relatable to never have a name to the city or town or whatever you live in. Yeah. You know, it's not like people in, again, Terre Haute, Indiana are going to say, Oh wait, that movie takes place in Seattle. It's not for me. I only watch movies that take place in Terre Haute, Indiana.
0: Yeah. And it's, it seems to come from a place of, it's like, Hey, by making this city nameless, it's like, it could happen anywhere. It's like, yeah. And if it's in Chicago, it could happen anywhere too. Like, It's, I mean, unless there's a heavy snowfall in which, yes, it's not going to happen in Tucson, but, right. but that's the thing. And so the if it did though, oh, th- there's your, there's your movie right there. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. And so I was just thinking that in that term, it's just, yes, this is a story, uh, yet another movie about a guy who can't get his romantic life together, but anybody, you know, if it's well done, then anybody can get anything out of it and yeah. you can still learn from, you know, Women can still get something out of it, and, and vice versa. If, if it were, if it went the other way, so
1: okay. Uh, black Nativity. Um, I don't know anything about it. It's based on.
0: Now this is something I, as a white guy, cannot relate. to.
1: <laughs> um, well, I I was bummed to find that it has nothing to do with Black Sabbath's Nativity in Black. <laughs> it is actually an adaptation of Langston Hughes' 1961 stage musical, hmm. uh, but it's it's um it's got Forrest Whitaker in it, of whom I'm, I'm a fan. Jennifer Hudson, I don't really have much of an opinion on.
0: I like Angela Bassett. Do you?
1: I don't know that I do. I feel like I should, but when I think of her, like, when I think of, like, what's love got to do with it, I, I, that's not, I don't I, like her performance.
0: Really? I did. I really feel like
1: she's overdoing it, really swinging for the fences. Uh, I mean, obviously the stuff that, she, that Tina Turner went through was, yeah. deserves a big reaction, but it, it really didn't feel like a very subtle performance. Maybe I was too young to see the subtlety in it. I yeah, know. When but you know, think you know of me you're right, Bassett, though. What you think
0: of? I think of that. Um, and I know she's been in other things, but I don't, but I remember that being the, mm-hmm. and I know that she was in Waiting to Exhale, right?
1: I never saw that, but yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: And so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awful. <laughs> um but yeah, and so uh, that's the first thing I think of, and I remember thinking she was very good in it. But you know what? In retrospect, it is entirely possible that, <laughs> that is a really broad movie. Yeah.
1: So. In more ways than one, right? Yeah.
0: Moving on. Watch out.
1: Uh, Disney's Frozen. I don't think it's called Disney's Frozen. It's just okay. called Frozen.
0: All right. Let's see here.
1: It's inspired by a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale called The Snow Queen, All right. which is, I think, not well known to many people. Okay. But how... Uh, like. What was the status, popularity wise, of The Little Mermaid as a
0: fairy tale I before think, the movie? I think nothing. I, that, mean, I,
1: I mean, obviously, it was important in like, uh, you know, um, Copenhagen or whatever. Yeah. Um, where there's like the famous statue. I think that's right. in Copenhagen. I think so, yes. Uh, and then there's a recreation of that statue in Solving, California. I don't know if you've ever been to oh, Solving. I haven't. But it's a little, it's like, do you know about Solving? It's like, it was settled by Danish settlers, so it's like a little Danish town. It's got windmills all over and stuff. That's and it, nice. it has on one of the street corners in like the little cute little downtown area uh like a, a recreation of the little mermaid statue. Hm. Uh anyway, an awesome place.
0: Yeah, and so That's yeah, no, we're talking I, about that. Right. Yeah, no, to my knowledge, uh it was not it's not like it's Rumpelstiltskin or you know, Rapunzel or anything like that. Like Little Mermaid, I think was made famous to an entire generation of people as yeah. a function of the Disney movie.
1: So maybe the Snow Queen will do the same if this ends up being good. One of the voices, Josh Gad.
0: Oh, man, that guy, you can't yeah.
1: Can't get away from him. Now, okay, do you know your feelings about uh, Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, okay. I think I kind of feel the same way about Great Expectations, which, despite not being a huge fan of Charles Dickens, I've gone back and forth like my whole life. Not my whole life, I didn't care, obviously, when I was three years old. But for as long as I've like known who Charles Dickens was, I've gone back and forth on whether or not I like him i don't know really i I like him a lot uh i don't know i mean so some of his stuff feels so um i guess for the time probably very sensationalistic uh and and um pedestrian maybe or or like uh, trying to appeal and i know that's what he i mean he was writing for you know you know we were talking about uh like mainstream movies being sort of vulgar and stuff. That's like, that's what he was, you know? He was, yeah. writing, a, he was a,
0: writing for the masses. There was a populist quality to his writing.
1: Yeah, and, and in some ways, and then also knowing stuff about his personal life and uh, his divorce and how cruel he was to his wife kind of. And then and he
0: ran a workhouse that, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, you know, and just.
1: More? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so. I love Great Expectations. I love uh, um, David Lean's Great Expectations. That's a, it's great. Um, there are things about Alfonso Cuaron's Great Expectations that I quite like uh, mm-hmm. visually. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, Mike Newell is a real hit or miss director for me. Um, I like Four Weddings and a Funeral. I like Donnie Brasco. I, he made my least favorite um, Harry Potter movie. Right.
0: Do you think that's his fault, though? Or do you think it's imperfections in that story?
1: Um, I think that yeah, I, I think I don't think it's imperfections in that story. What I think is that um Goblet of Fire was it was the first of the really long Harry Potter books and maybe I should blame screenwriter Steve Clovis for trying to be trying to fit so much of it in that it ends up just feeling very much like uh you know, like you're just following one step after another and each scene is like gotta get this out of the way gotta get this out of the way you know uh that's and then jen
0: told me because she was a you know she'd read the books and uh and even she said she's like oh and he didn't even incorporate this or that
1: yeah there's a lot of stuff so yeah
0: uh, what we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Great expectations.
1: Oh, and it's Helena Bottom Carter, who I also mostly don't like in most things.
0: I think she could be good in that role. Oh,
1: and Jeremy Irvine, who
0: I really didn't like in Warhorse. Oh, oh. Yeah. He was the horse. <laughs> uh, and totally unconvincing. Uh, yeah. You know, I remember something that I said last year about Anna Karenina. And the reason that I liked it is because there is a feeling. Where it's like, hey, here's a story we're all familiar with. Uh, now let's watch these people do it. Right. Like there's an element to that with Romeo and Juliet, great expectations. And I felt like by having, by, uh, by very directly addressing the theatricality and the feeling like, okay, here's, we, uh, we know we're one more group of people doing it. So let's acknowledge that we're a group of people putting on a production. We'll do it very directly. And by doing that, really injected life into the story. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's the thing is like, I'm sure this Great Expectations is just going to be very straightforward and it's just going to tell the story again. Um, And it's a great story. It's a powerful story, just as Romeo and Juliet is. But after a certain point, it's, you know, uh, oh, hell, Uh, Joe Wright brought something new to Anna Karenina. And if Mike Newell is not going to bring... Yeah, I, I, I do says it.
1: Okay, you, you just did say. Yeah, it. Okay.
0: Uh, but like, and if Mike Newell's not going to bring something new to Great Expectations, except hey, you know Helen Bonham Carter, and you know this uh, this uh, iconic character, well, let's put those together. Yeah, what do you think?
1: Yeah, well, she'll 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 find new depths. She'll find new subtleties and nuances to Miss Havisham. Right, that's Helen Bonham Carter's
0: style. First off, <laughs> you have not seen the King's Speech. She is very very good in the King's okay. Speech. For a lot of the reasons that you are dismissing her now.
1: Okay. Get out of here. Okay, you said, first off, what's second off?
0: Uh, <laughs> By the way, no, no, I don't that's going to be a really obvious edit. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because I didn't I was, know when I hit recorded that you were still talking. I was whispering right into the mic. Uh, I do not remember what was second off. I'm sorry. Let's move on.
1: Okay, Um, about time. It. Okay, who was in The Time Traveler's Wife? Was that also Rachel McAdams?
0: I think so. Yeah. So,
1: She's doing another, like, time travel movie that's actually a romantic, or a romance.
0: Yeah. She's uh, she's like uh, Edward Norton with uh, his constant themes of duality. Yeah. There's uh, there's things that she's uh, attracted to. Uh men who can travel
1: through time. Exactly. But are sad about it.
0: <laughs> well, and I did see, I saw a trailer for this, and yes, it does look a little, um, you know, cheesy. But, first off, I like, uh, I don't know how you say his name, Domnall.
1: Probably Domhnall.
0: donal Gleeson. I like him a lot. He was in, uh... uh Affirmation in Akronina. Yes, but he was also in uh, Shadow Dancer. And oh. uh, and I, I like him a lot. I think he's, uh... He has a... He does have, not merely because of the redhead, he reminds me of Rupert Grant, where he... He can play a lead, but he also does seem to have a gen, genuine uh, character actor sensibility. But the film does seem to examine a butterfly effect quality and okay. There was something in the trailer that, uh, that res- that kind of resounded within me. And, uh, so it's this guy who can go back and and make little corrections, you know, like, Oh, he said the wrong thing to this girl, but now he's going to go back and he's going to say the right thing, just the right thing. So it's a kind of, there's some cutesy stuff there, but then, uh, It's heavily implied that his father, played by Bill Nighy, who's always a welcome uh, Mm -hmm. presence, um, that his father dies tragically in a car accident. And so he then goes back and changes that. But then through this weird turn of events, now his wife no longer knows him. Like this idea that a chain of events needs to happen and you might want to change this thing.
1: you're gonna start hurting my brain because is he traveling when he goes back in time is he moving on a linear line or is there a same him like is he traveling back and and he can
0: see himself yes i have no idea i don't i don't think so
1: so if he's just if it's just a linear line if he changes his dad's car accident so that his wife he and his wife never meet how does he know he ever met? His I know the it's the same
0: shit. Believe me, I know. I it's, it's the thing that bothers me tremendously. That's not the point. The point is I, the
1: thing is everyone says that when I when I complain about that stuff with like
0: Looper or any other
1: time travel time travel movie ever. It is the point. I've I, I can't sp- get past
0: it. I've spoken for hours about frequency. All right, you're preaching to the choir. All right, and <laughs> Although so I,
1: I've probably changed, but at the time I disagreed with you about frequency. Yeah, but I might I might feel differently now. Yeah. So I think I'm sick of it. I'd rather see more
0: movies about white guys with girl problems than another time travel
1: movie. Just leave it be.
0: Yeah. Well, and just, and by making, by having it be, first off, not merely a romance, but also kind of a lighthearted romance, that's probably a step in the right direction to kind of undercutting some things. But I, I have had, in my own life, I have had the thought of if I could go back, I tend to think in terms of quantum leap. If I, if I could leap back into my younger self and do something. To, like, prevent my father from dying. It's like, well, I would probably do that. But then I also think of, like, so many things that have happened, maybe, things that I was maybe more, I was certainly more open to dating Jen when I did because I was so emotionally raw at the time. Mm -hmm. And so if that hadn't happened, perhaps I would not be happily married now. And the idea that this sounds weird and I don't like saying it, but it is true. I love her more than I miss him. Right, and so this thing is a more positive thing than that is a negative thing in my life. Yeah, and so this is a, this film Plus, you does see my to to, father's day presents exactly. That's a big win because <laughs> anniversary <laughs> presents works out so much better for me. Um, but no, it's uh, and so that was the and the fact that the film seems to want to acknowledge that, uh, and maybe it deals with it in a totally ham-fisted way. Who knows? But. Uh, it it did it certainly struck a chord in me, so it it could be good. Who knows?
1: Okay, uh, you know what I'm I am excited for, despite not being a huge fan of some of his recent work. Yeah. Uh, Nebraska, damn right, directed by Alexander Payne, not written by Alexander Payne. Yeah, but uh, in black and white. You yeah, know, I'm a pretentious asshole. I love that stuff. Yeah, uh, starring Bruce Dern in, in in the lead. Yeah, with Stacey Keach and with Will Forte, of whom I am a huge fan.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm I believe. Uh, as I was reading about this, I either here or elsewhere. I, I, yeah, okay. Bruce Dern says it's the best part anyone has ever given me, uh, and I think he won. Uh, oh, he won Best Actor account at, at Con, and so I'm super excited. I'm, I like Bruce Dern a lot. Uh, I like Stacey Keach a lot too, and, and 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 Will Forte. I like that whole cast.
1: Did you ever see, in five years of the Tim and Eric Awesome Show, Great Job? The best sketch they ever did was probably. Um the one we will we'll forte is the mattress uh doing the mattress commercial. Have you seen that? No. It's just it's just in their own way like incredibly awkward. Where he's like the camera's moving backwards and he's trying to keep pace with the camera and walking through the showroom while he's talking, but it like he's having trouble keeping pace. So it's very awkward. But then, in true weird fashion, it goes inside his head where he's clearly a psychopath and is having all these like murderous bloody fantasies.
0: <laughs> that sounds delightful. Yeah, it's awesome. Um but yeah, so I'm I'm very, very excited about this. Uh, just an opportunity to watch See, like it, okay that other what was what was it La- Las vegas or whatever yeah, yeah. okay see that seems like you know the bucket list or whatever it seems like it's like hey wouldn't it be neat if we got these guys together because and because it's morgan freeman and uh, robert de niro and michael douglas like big stars mm-hmm. there's an element of like oh hey this will be this will be awesome but no one is clamoring to see Bruce Dern and Stacey Keach together, but when someone says, Hey, we've gotten these guys together yeah. You're like, I didn't even know I wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> but now there's nothing I want more. Yeah. And so I'm I'm very, very excited.
1: Okay. I'm not excited for Mandela Long Walk to Freedom just because I, I don't know. I you know Aside I've, from
0: liking Idris Elba, I just feel yeah,
1: like Yeah, although I mean the the makeup on this picture looks horrible. Yeah. Um and but, I mean if a movie's good I don't buy you know, I I, um, notoriously, in my own mind at least, liked J. Edgar, which no one else did. Yeah. Um, it, but, in, even though I can fully admit that the makeup is really bad looking in no. J. Edgar, it doesn't bother me because I like the movie. So if I like this movie, then I won't mind that the makeup is so bad. Right. But, uh, like with sequels, I tend to be suspicious of biopics. This one is not directed by Oliver Hirschpiegel, it's directed by the guy who made The Other Berlin Girl, which I didn't see. Mm. Uh, so there's no reason for me to be very excited about it. Yeah. Um, Anything else worth mentioning? In no, okay. Let's move to December, August. Osage County. Um, man, it, it's a great cast. It, it great sounds cast it sounds, of, uh, sounds really good. Again, I'm going to sound like the you know uh, liberal d bag, but it's a it is a great cast of white people. Um, <laughs> it seems like a very white movie.
0: It's directed by John Wells, who I right, who
1: made that movie that I wanted to see, um, Company Men.
0: Yeah, that was him. Because he's a TV guy,
1: you know, he did, yeah. worked on ER and West Wing. Um, yeah. But I think the first movie he directed was Company Men, which I didn't see, but I heard is good.
0: I heard it was, I heard it was pretty good, not okay. not great, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a good story and really a good showcase for, for these actors, but may, maybe, and maybe this isn't the right attitude, but it, it sounds like a good showcase, maybe too good of a showcase. Maybe it, it does kind of have a prestige quality to it.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be a great play.
0: Yeah, and the just, fa- yeah, the fact that it's based on a play I feel like is probably I don't know. I, I I'm trying to think of <laughs> I'm trying to think of what to say. I just feel like as long as as long as John Wells like tries to kind of stay out of the way a little bit, I don't know. Right. And just not necessarily, I mean obviously you can still have a director's hand, but there's a lot of directors who will try to direct against a play. And be like, okay, well, people aren't yeah. gonna, people aren't gonna want everyone just in one room. Like, we can't right. have that. So we are so, going to set
1: this scene on a moving sidewalk in an airport,
0: just because. Yeah, even though no one would ever have this conversation <laughs> in this place. So yeah. So as long as he doesn't do that, then I, I, I think he'll. I don't know. I think there will probably be inherent power. Um,
1: uh, the thing I am interested in, though, is um, the actor, uh, actress, I want to say, uh, Julianne Nicholson. Uh, my, I'm a big fan. Uh, and has long deserved to be more in the spotlight. Um, I'm told that boardwalk empire fans know who she is. Yes. So and named Esther, Esther Randolph. I'm looking it up right now.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking her up and, uh, she is great as that character and that's, okay. it's a pretty good character and she really, she really does something with it.
1: But I've been a fan. I mean, she, she, well, last year she was in keep the lights on, which is really good. Uh, small movie, um, uh, I think I f- she uh, she had a small part in Kinsey. I first knew her from a kind of dumb but kind of audaciously funny comedy called Seeing Other People. Uh, I don't know if you remember.
0: I can picture the uh the cover, the DVD cover.
1: Yeah, so it's basically um she and uh Jay Moore play a couple who are like about to get married and decide they haven't had enough experiences so for a certain period they'll have an open relationship before they get married. Yeah. And of course it doesn't go well. Uh it's not a great movie, but she was really great in it, and I've always I've sort of kept track of what she was doing since then because I, I liked her in that. Yeah. All right. Do we have to talk about The Hobbit? Uh, I'm interested. Uh, I I mean I'll I'll see it, but I I mean I probably won't pay to see it. I'll probably get to see it. Yeah. Um. Luck. That's the luck of what I do.
0: On the plane back from uh, Switzerland. Uh, and the seat in front of me after I watched uh, working girl and uh, Saturday night fever, I, uh, turned on the Hobbit and I was like, I'm not going to watch this whole thing. Cause a lot of it I don't like. So I'm going to skip to the scenes I like, uh, which is something I don't like to do, but I'm on a plane who gives a shit. Yeah. And so I skipped to obviously the Gollum scene, which is probably the best scene in the film, I agree. best sequence in the film. Um, but I also skipped to, um, there shortly thereafter, when uh, the character is talking, when they're talking about Bilbo and saying, you know, he's left us. He never should have been here. And then Martin Freeman steps out and delivers a beautifully written and even better acted monologue in which he talks about, you know, he goes, yes, I I miss these things. Mm-hmm. That's my home. That's where I belong. You don't have one. It's yeah. just and for, it, it is memorable to me. It's a like I almost welled up on the plane. As a function of his performance, because it's well-written. It's very well-written. But it would have been easy to play that up. But he yeah. actually uh, he plays it down by being very hobbity about it. Uh-huh. And so my hope is that there's more stuff like that. Yeah. But, of course, I think, more, it's, it's, if anything, it's likely to get more epic, not less.
1: Well, um, here's my trepidation, other than the fact that I really didn't like the first one. But, again, this seems to be a theme of this episode— that's awesome! You add a female character where there one didn't exist, but then you cast Evangeline Lilly. Really?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong; she does look very elvish. <laughs> yeah. That's so. true.
1: okay. Um, Out of the furnace with Christian Bale and Casey Affleck. I like the cast. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm a big. I'm, I'm a big fan of Casey Affleck. I do. I'm so. Ha- he should play Batman. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> Even after all these years, it still sneaks up on me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this sound this sounds cool, and it, apparently, it's the guy who directed Crazy Heart, and it's something that Christian okay. Bale was apparently um, really, you know, dedicated to to doing, and and helped get made. So, it uh, uh, definitely has some things to recommend it in in, in its backstory. Um, I, I, we're not qualified to talk about Tyler Perry movies. Right, yeah, yeah. I saw Diary, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, and that's it. Have you yeah. seen any of his films? No. Okay. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Coen Brothers movie. I'm gonna see it. Yeah, there's hard, Like, <laughs> I'm obviously excited for that. No. It's just Timberlake again.
0: Yeah, and I should mention. I, I I hate to. I feel like how how strange is it that we breeze over the movie we do want to see? You know, uh, well, as hey, as though it were a, a foregone conclusion. What I will say is that uh, yes. Coen Brothers, I like them a lot, and it's probably going to be very good. Uh, Oscar Isaac is somebody I've been having, I've had my eye on for a while. Like he, as an actor, now, is really.
1: He was in Sucker Punch and Drive. What else yes. do I know him from?
0: Uh let's see. What else do you know him from? I don't know. I he was
1: good in Drive, even though I didn't love that movie. I, I yeah, he really he's
0: good. he he felt like a very. Uh, so many of the other characters felt like movie characters. He felt like an actual lived-in, mm-hmm. real character. Um, I know him from. He played Prince John in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. I never saw that. And he's very good uh, as being kind of that snivelly type of guy, but I I actually li- th- liked him quite a bit in sucker punch. Um he's just an actor that I feel like is is really uh, going to go places and he is he plays uh Llewyn Davis and so I'm I'm excited uh, that he is that they picked him as as their lead.
1: I'm excited for The Monuments Men. Yeah, I, I like George Clooney as a director. I like heist movies. I like the idea that it's a historical heist movie. But it also has to do with uh, sticking it to the Nazis.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's such an interesting idea that, I mean, these are guys that are risking their lives to save works of art. Some people would say that compared to, say, a Saving Private Ryan, which this film is linked to through Matt Damon, oh, really? uh, compared to that, which is all, you know, I mean, their mission is so noble. Some would say, someone look at the mission of this film and say it is ill-advised, maybe even stupid, mm-hmm. but it's a film that by telling this story, it's saying art is worth it. I like, you know, that. I mean, say, like yeah. if there was, if there was a print of, you know, if there was, a, I'm trying to think, I mean, obviously something like citizen, Kane. let's say like, like Chinatown or something. If there was a print of Chinatown out there and I had to risk my life to save it and it would not exist. I feel like I might do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, good luck. It's e- it's easy. It's easy to say that. Part of me is just like Chinatown. Whatever. Yeah, I saw it. I get it. <laughs> <Right>. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to be creeped up by John Houston again? I got it. But uh, but yeah. And so I, I like I like that its mission is so specific and it's one we haven't really seen before.
1: Um. Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I don't, uh, unlike a lot of people, I'm not familiar with the source material. Yeah, I'm not either. But I am familiar with James Thurber, who wrote the sh- source material. I've read a lot of his, um, like, memoir type, like, short stories that are biographical, autobiographical, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they're amazing, and he's incredibly funny, and so I'm, I'm sure that this source material is very good. Um, so. I guess I'm excited. I don't know. Uh, ben Stiller. I didn't see Tropic Thunder. I did. What was the last thing he directed before that? Cable Guy. Was there something in between then? Did he direct Zoolander? Oh, he did, and I love Zoolander. I didn't see it. You still haven't seen it? No. It's really funny. I mean, um, I don't want to like over, you know, overblow it or whatever. You know, it's not. I guess it's not an imperative, but it's a really funny movie.
0: The thing that gets me about Secret Life of Walter Mitty. You know, what? I, I feel like I understand what you mean when you talk about Spike Lee and Old Boy. Like what, like there's something about Ben Stiller being the, the actor and director that he is for him to have, he doesn't direct very often. Right. So for him to have chosen to do this, a remake, yeah. uh, means he must feel pretty passionate about the material. And so even wait, if this it's an adaptation, adaptation, a pardon me, yes, adaptation, um,
1: oh, wait, was there a movie before, but this isn't, if there was a movie before, yeah, there's I one K- with, was. with uh,
0: Danny Kaye, I oh, believe. Danny Kay, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, this is not a remake yeah. of that. It's, yeah, it's like a... True
0: Grid, go, just going back to the right. the source material. But either way, so it's probably something that he's very passionate about, and I feel like it'll probably come through in his performance. And also, I know I've been talking maybe maybe too much about trailers. Really well done trailer. Cool. I think you would really like it. Okay. So I'm 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 really looking forward to it. And I like Kristen Wiig. I'm I'm a big fan of hers.
1: Okay, Kenneth Branagh directing the movie about Jack Ryan. Yeah. I like Kenneth Branagh, I like, um, I've only seen two of the Jack Ryan movies, I've seen the two non-Harrison Ford Jack Ryan movies, I saw obviously Hunt for October, and then uh, the one- Some, with, of all Some of All Fears, that's a pretty good movie. It's better than it than I was afraid it would be, it's no Hunt for October. No it isn't. Uh, and then I never saw Patriot Games or Clear and Present Danger.
0: I guess I've seen all four of them. Okay. Um, and uh, here's, but I also am
1: completely unfamiliar with Chris Pine, Chris Pine, because I haven't seen the Star Trek movies, and I don't know what else he would. I didn't see, was he in This Means War? I didn't see that. He
0: was, and he was in People Like Us, didn't which see I saw, that. For, saw that? for the site. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a pretty good uh, and charismatic actor. Okay. I think I think he'd probably do a good job playing this character that I don't give a shit about. <laughs> um, that's the thing. I've seen all four of them, and it's just like, oh, Jack Ryan. It's just I've seen all four. And there's just nothing tremendously interesting about the character except he's a job. That's- you
1: know, I, I feel, again, I haven't seen the Harrison Ford ones, but I do feel like there's um, uh, a thing that's true in both Hunt for October and Some of All Fears where, despite being played by, I guess, handsome leading men, Jack Ryan is, at the beginning, very much not an action hero and yeah. and the actors in both cases don't play him that way until he's ne- it's necessary for him to step up
0: i just i just see the character as being surprisingly bland i mean he's capable but he's not interesting and to and not interesting enough to me that it warrants a movie being named jack ryan like patriot games hunt for red october the sum of all fears these are all movies that jack ryan is in
2: <laughs> right. but
0: come on you know, right. he's not. Let me reason. put it. Let me put it this way. And I'm not. You know what high regard I hold Mickey Spillane. If you were to name a, a movie Mike Hammer, that means something. I see what you're saying. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess with some of all fears, you bought your ticket to see if the bomb goes off, not to see what Jack Ryan's going to do. Yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and Hunt for October is definitely more about Sean Connery. Or I mean, I don't know about screen time, but there's definitely. Sean Connery's character is definitely more interesting.
0: Yeah. And Alan Baldwin, that's the thing. All the actors do a good job. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure Chris Pine will do a good job, but the character himself is, to me, a blank slate.
1: That's interesting. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Um, at this point, I'm just... Uh, Matthew McConaughey is just someone that I'm willing to follow. Yeah. Because he's making really interesting choices.
0: Gotta watch that Wolf of Wall Street trailer, man. <laughs> Okay.
1: Okay. Um, are also Jared Leto in drag? I feel like Jared Leto... He really wants us to take us ser- take him seriously as an actor. Yeah,
0: everything I've said about Sean Penn, I, I feel like I've uh, I should be sued for malpractice for not saying the same things time t- times ten about Jared Leto. But Jared Leto was
1: maybe he, even worse because he's doesn't even have Sean Penn's talent. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: mean. Just yeah, he does seem to be like like he's so, like he because he's a good looking guy, uh-huh. and it seems like he's so ashamed of it. And yeah. there is there is a there is a there's a history of uh good looking actors and actresses trying to convince you that no, I got the job because I'm a good actor. Uh and so doing so he just does everything he can to mutilate himself yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Um to convince us. Uh
1: 47 Ronin. I know I mean action films action fans <laughs> that I know are excited about this. I don't Yeah. I haven't watched the trailer I know that's a trailer out, I haven't watched it.
0: Uh, I haven't seen it either.
1: So I don't really have much of an opinion. Except that I, in a weird way, like Keanu Reeves a lot more than you do.
0: You know what? I do, too. Oh, I, I thought you... <laughs> I, 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 it, here's what it used to be. It used to be that everyone just sort of knew that he wasn't that good of an actor, uh-huh. but they kept casting him. And it's like, yeah, but we all know this. But you know what? A while back, I think he stopped seeing himself... Or stop trying to maybe trying to prove himself. Just or or maybe I started thinking about him in a different way. But it just a while back he just said, "I'm going to be Keanu Reeves. That's all I'm ever going to be. I know I'm not that great of an actor, but I am something of a screen. I, I do have a screen presence. Yeah. I'm just going to be that. And so like I I think he was great as Neo. Uh-huh. And I and you know anything that's like action oriented, he does have a screen presence. And I like more power to him like he, you know what what it comes right down to is like he's not hurting anybody yeah well i not, mean on screen he's hurting a lot of people but like but he
1: also seems like a really cool guy for two reasons yeah. one you need to see side by side oh on I'm that sure, documentary yeah. um you know he's he's really interesting and it's really interesting and it has you and i were talking off mic before we recorded about lines from movies that don't seem like they should be the memorable line but for some reason there's nothing about them on the page that it like stands out as memorable mm-hmm. and the one we were talking about in particular was in seven when Morgan Freeman <laughs> radios to the guys in the helicopter and says John Doe has the upper hand now <laughs> it, it's such a weird like it, it's a weird line but there's a part in side by side obviously that's not a scripted movie it's a documentary but um, Kenner Reeves asks David Lynch are you done?" With celluloid. And David Lynch, in a very charming and David Lynchian way, says, You know, Keanu, I think I might be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, moving on, uh, speaking of David, dire- directors named David, David O'Russell's American Hustle. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did that. That rhymed a little bit. David O'Russell's American Hustle. Oh. That must be why he chose the
0: project. Yeah, yeah. It's um, all rhyming now for him.
1: But no, i mean, You know, we mentioned um, Donnie Brasco earlier, um, and this clearly with the costumes has a bit of a Donnie Brasco. But also, yeah. um, it's about Abscam, which is uh, only if you're a person like me who's seen Donnie Brasco a dozen times do you recognize the connection. But there is a there is a major reference to Abscam in Donnie, Donnie Brasco. What what
0: is what is Abscam? I don't recall
1: uh Ab Scam is where um under it's talked about in here cuz i don't want to get it wrong but undercover fbi agents basically um offered uh um, uh arab politicians uh, i don't know they pretended to be corrupt like corrupt politicians and took money from from Arab, nation- or Arab Royals. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to get it wrong. Okay. That's not the point. The point is they did it on a boat that they rented. And it was the same boat that the FBI rented in Donnie Brasco. Oh, okay. And it was in the newspaper the day that they were, like, having the mob party on the boat. And they were like, if any of the mobsters find out about this. Yeah. You know, if they if they make the connection, we're dead. That's right. Yes, anyway, yes. Um, but now I feel like I completely got abscam wrong because I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but, um... It looks. Uh, I, I don't know. Is there a trailer? Yeah.
0: Uh, there might be, but I haven't seen it. Okay,
1: because just the the photo here of Christian Bale and Amy Adams and Bradley Cooper it looks like there's a bit of a
0: comedic vibe to this. Maybe I, I've heard that that there is. It is kind of. Ha- it does kind of have a dark sense of humor to it. Yes, I, I
1: like that. I like yeah. that idea.
0: Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think David O. Russell is not necessarily at his best, but I think his best stuff tends to be kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, even The Fighter is pretty funny. There's
1: a lot of funny stuff.
0: Um, But, I mean, when I think of, like, spanking the monkey and flirting with disaster and even even Three Kings, and I heart Huckabee, certainly, yeah. um, I think of a guy who came from comedy. Yeah, yeah. Not that Three Kings was, was comedic, but it certainly was not uh, well, dour drama. Did, I didn't see
1: Silver Linings, did you?
0: Yeah, I did, yeah. Is it funny? Yeah, I think it's very funny. Okay.
1: Yeah, um, then I, I'm... I, I like the idea of this. Uh, of I, 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 I'm sure it's been done times before, but the idea of taking a true story that's a serious thing and making a comedy out of it—I guess the informant. You got to see idea. the. Have you seen the informant? I never did.
0: You got to see it. You'll love it.
1: Because uh, I love that idea. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to—I don't know much about it, but it's a new Stephen Frears film, and that makes me uh, interested. Called Philomena. Is that yeah. how you would say it? I think so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's Judy Dench and Steve Coogan. It's directed by. Stephen Frears, I mean it definitely sounds like something that's you know, bougie people w- will enjoy but uh, I aspire to bouginess so I'll I'll go see it.
0: Um, One could say you're a, like a like a bouge bag. Yeah, that's um I am. Yeah, no, I I'm a huge fan of of Judy Dench and yeah. uh, did you ever see Notes on a Scandal? No, I never did. I think that's her best performance. Really? Yeah, it's there's it's there's really something to it. And you know what? Much as I do like love Helen Maron and the Queen. I think Judy Dunn should have won for Notes on a Scandal. Okay, but um, but yeah, and so and I, was I, and I like
1: for the brief period I worked at the ArcLight, and um, uh, Mike Tyson would come in and see like these sort of middle brow, sort of art house type dramas. Um, I think he saw Notes on the Scandal. The one I remember him seeing for sure is the um, oh, and I can't remember the name of it. The Anthony Minghella film that came and went in like two thousand seven. <sighs> With with Jude Law and Julia Binoche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on,
0: hang on. Hang on. Rail, rails and Ties? Or no. something like that? No. No?
1: Break? Broke?
0: Breaking something sounds break- right. Oh, well, we'll figure yeah, out. Yeah, it's one of those.
1: Okay, uh, moving on to The Invisible Woman, which I don't know uh, much about, except that it's directed by Ray Fiennes.
0: Okay. And he did uh, Cori- Coriolanus, right? Which I never saw. That's right. I never saw that either. Yeah. But... Uh, Let's see. So, I guess he plays, no, I guess he plays Charles Dickens. Oh. Sorry, I'm just, uh... I didn't, yeah, I guess I by the time I got this far into the,
1: the issue, I was probably just skimming stuff. Um, well, maybe he'll play him as the asshole that I think of him as, and uh, I'll be well.
0: Uh, it certainly looks like, uh, he's not a great guy here. Just based on the picture? And based on the description. <laughs> okay, <laughs> That, that, if you were just basing on the picture, you're basically
1: saying that Ray Fiennes looks like a jerk. <laughs> he does, kind of. Okay. All,
0: All right. right.
1: Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, it's John Lee Hancock, which is promising.
0: Promising, uh, yes. We have
1: liked his film. Well, The Rookie and The Alamo. Yeah. And which, then I saw
0: The Blind Side.
1: Oh, I forgot that was him. Yeah. I didn't see it, so I don't, I don't, I don't have to hold that against him because I didn't see it. Yeah. Um, But it's Tom Hanks as as uh walt disney Mm -hmm. and then um emma thompson is the woman who wrote mary poppins
0: pl travers
1: and i guess um now i I never saw it but there was a documentary a few years ago about the uh the brothers the sherman brothers who wrote like the music and stuff for mary poppins it's supposed to be very good uh, yeah but it deals with some of these same things about her difficulties
0: yeah and here they are played by jason schwartzman and bj novak that's fun yeah
1: um what i don't know maybe because i'm dumb who's mr banks
0: Mr Banks is the is the dad from uh Mary Poppins. Oh, I see. Okay. And um yeah, and that's the thing that's the frustrating thing about that trailer is it really just spells out everything that the movie's going to be as far as revelations that the characters have, but Um You should sure
1: watch a lot of trailers.
0: They come on before the not I don't go to as many screens as you do. Sometimes I uh, you, you actually
1: know. pay to see movies. Yeah, I know. Good for
0: you. Yeah. But uh but yeah, and so uh it it looks like it looks promising. It could be a little t- it, Sorry, I guarantee it will be too cutesy. Nah. <laughs>
2: uh,
0: but it also could be very charming, and I think it'll be that more than anything. So um, I, I could see it being very ingratiating to to the audience. I mean, just <laughs> casting Tom Hanks as Walt Disney—that's a. Those are two pretty giant steps in the in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, so it just it looks it looks fun, but probably nothing too remarkably heavy.
1: Um. Uh no there's a few more in here, but the last one I really am interested in in this issue here is Labor Day. Okay. Um because it's directed by Jason Reitman, who I feel uh has gotten better with each movie he's made. Yeah. Each movie is, you know, what, uh Up in the Air is better than Juno and Young Adult was better than Up in the Up Up in the Air, and now Well they're
0: one. they're all better than Juno. Including <laughs> Wait, Thank You what, For Smoking.
1: That's what I'm saying. Oh right, he did that. Yeah. Okay. I didn't love that either. So maybe that was a Plateau, or I don't know. I think I like Thank You For... I guess I like Thank You For Smoking better than I like Juno, but I don't really like either one of them at all. You should watch it. You should watch it again. It's just a contest of which one I dislike more. The only thing about Thank You for Smoking that I still think about all the time is Rob Lowe's thing about pitching the movie where they're smoking in space, and he's like, it's just one line. Thank God they invented the whatever. Whatever
0: device. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, That's the only thing that really sticks with me with that movie. Uh, I forgot about the movie completely. Um, So I didn't like those first two, but I liked Up in the Air quite a bit. I really liked Young Adult. Um, I still never saw it. It's really good. Uh, And so I'm uh, looking forward to, to Labor Day and i like josh Berlin and kate winslet
0: yeah and also this looks like i mean he hasn't uh, he hasn't done something like this before this type of genre i mean it's like the desperate hours kind of
1: yeah i mean I, everything he's done has been has had a comedic element to it although like mm-hmm. up in the air and young adult are both very sad uh, yeah movies so um he's clearly got more in his in yeah. his bag than just uh um just comedy but what i like what i'm hoping is maybe this will be uh a bit in a different direction
0: where it's a drama first, but hopefully he'll still bring in some comedy to it. Yeah. But that's the thing is he's not done like straight up suspense before. Yeah, I guess not. And so that it is a very, I, I think it could really stretch him as a director and I'm really interested to see how it works out. I, you know, you and I said it when up in the air came out, I thought it was great. I thought it was an almost perfect film. Um, and, and I didn't see young adult, uh, adult, but, uh, but he's. Uh, I like that he's uh,
1: outside of Eastbound and Down. Maybe my favorite Danny McBride. Danny McBride performance is his small rolling up in the air.
0: You got to see this at the end. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. He's a lot of fun. All right. Um. But uh. But yeah. Just the um. He, it's 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 kind of fun when you see directors emerge. Mm-hmm. You know, I just and there are a lot of directors that are really coming into their own over the last few years but they they'd been around a while like David O'Russell was you know he'd been working before you and I like got into film but Jason Reitman is a director that you and I became aware of i i think well after film school mm-hmm. even and so you know as movie loving adults we were able to see this guy come along and he's he's older than we are so it's not like he's a, you know some kid but he comes along and we're able to track every moment of his career and just see it's like, not only is he not going away, but he's becoming something of a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, even though young adult was fairly low profile. Um, it wasn't necessarily low profile, but compared to like up in the air, which got all kinds of consideration and people just assumed it would, it would get a lot of Oscar support and stuff. And I Um, wonder
1: if it's because young adult is maybe, I mean, the reasons I think it's a better movie or maybe the reasons it did less well at awards time is that it's, um, more uncompromising, um, and I mean, Up in the Air certainly has some a lot of bittersweetness about its ending, but there is some positivity at the end. Yeah, whereas there is a way of interpreting Young Adult where uh, it's just a really d- dis- dispiriting and discouraging ending, uh, which I like about it, but I, I wonder if that didn't um, either didn't sit well with 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 viewers, or some viewers just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I know at the screening, well, not the screening, I paid to see Young Adult, but the, um uh, I guess it's still called the screening, the showing of Young Adult I was at, there were definitely people. <laughs> there was a group of women who were sitting behind me and my girlfriend who clearly bought a ticket to Young Adult thinking it was going to be a raucous comedy. Okay. And then insisted the whole movie that that's what they were watching. <laughs> like, continued to laugh at, like, they were like, I, I just I invented this whole story where they're like you know maybe they're like moms to multiple kids and the, and, and they they can't get, get out of the house yeah, they don't get yeah, out yeah. that much so they were like we're fucking having a good time we're gonna laugh our asses off at the <laughs> Shirley Sterren movie no matter what is actually happening on screen um, and that's that's what happened uh, okay anyway and so I wonder but I, I wonder if that is sort of a metaphor for that movie in general just not being understood because it has a lot of elements of. Uh, of, of comedy but it's a it's a it's a really very sad movie
0: yeah and and i'll say i mean up in the air is i think it's a wonderful film and it is remarkably watchable and very accessible and from what i've heard about young adult it, it's inter- it's very interesting and very engaging but it's not necessarily accessible because it yeah. deals with some pretty rough emotions
1: uh, and then lone survivor um I mean, talk about directed, someone I used to feel that way about is Peter Berg, yeah. you, you know, because um, Very Bad Things is not a great movie, but it shows some yeah. stylistic promise. The Rundown's a really underrated action movie. Yeah. Friday, Friday Night, Night Lights, Lights is really good. But did he peak with Friday Night Lights? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't see The Kingdom or Battleship.
0: Right. Well, and of course, I, I mean, I've heard everything about Battleship is bad. But um, but The Kingdom, I hear from a, you know, I I hear that the script is not great but from a directorial standpoint it's very good um and that it's very engaging and very kinetic and and that sort of thing and so based on that i feel like something like lone survivor could be good it's also yeah, that's just what
1: we, we haven't said yet. that's what we were talking about lone oh yeah
0: survivor. sorry uh so yeah I, and i feel like it's got that's got a pretty solid cast i'm always I, excited to see ben foster
1: and i am decidedly a fan of mark Wahlberg at this point yeah uh Especially, I know like it's a weird movie to seal the deal for me, but two guns. Two guns. Did yeah. you see
0: it yet? No, but I just knew what you were going to say because yeah. uh, you're very predictable at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, we spent too much time together. Um, yeah, I, that that movie like really sealed the deal. Like, you know what? I'm on board with this guy. Uh, he's he's incredibly watchable.
0: Oh, and I and I uh, on the plane to Switzerland, I watched Broken City, and uh, he. You know what? He's sort of becoming. This is going to sound strange. He's sort of becoming Tom Cruise. Not that he ever had. The on-screen charisma that Tom Cruise did, but he is—he is, he is going to do what the part requires, no matter what the part is. Right. If the part requires comedy, he'll do comedy. If the part requires kind of a sort of a dour intensity, then he can do that. Like he's—he's he's becoming a very uh, very workmanlike. Uh, although that makes it sound somehow boring and merely functional, but it's not that. Like he's just—he's becoming very dependable. I guess is what I should say.
1: Uh, and then finally I guess Grudge match I don't know Instead of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger it's Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro Yeah, uh, In both cases a movie that I'm not going to watch
0: Rival Pugilist stepping back in the ring for one last fight It's so odd I guess technically they're the same age
1: Well yeah I mean they both came about at about the same time right? Yeah
0: So why do I think of Robert De Niro as being a solid 15 to 20 years older <laughs>
1: I don't know I don't think of that. Yeah, uh, and I
0: and and that's the thing. It's only now occurring to me. It's like, oh, Rocky and Raging Bull.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the thing there.
0: Which was the original title for you know Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
1: Um, all right, that's it. Right, now, we're done. Uh,
0: yeah, let me ask you this just so of all the things that we went through, what are you most excited for? Oh
1: man, now I have to go all the way back. I should have yeah, been. Yeah, sorry. Uh well, obviously CBGB. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just so you can say it.
1: Uh no, um All Is Lost is definitely sticking out yeah. to me as something that I uh really really want to see. Um Wolf of Wall Street is a is a big one for me. I, I have to admit to curiosity about the Hunger Games sequel and the Old Boy remake. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, Inside lewin Davis is, you know, Monuments Men. I'd say, it, yeah, if I had to pick one that is really catching my interest, it's probably always lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that does seem like the one that could, that's just the most, like, oh, you... you uh. 30 page script man come on <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing yeah probably for me it's uh, american hustle or monuments men uh nebraska i'm looking oh, forward right. to nebraska quite a bit um and i'm in i'm intrigued by secret life of walter Mitty. I'm, I'm sure Yeah. That that could turn out poorly but uh but yeah one thing's for sure neither of us mentioned anchorman 2 which is on the cover no here. yeah that's not uh but i'm uh, still i'm we'll open to being next. surprised
1: all right, um, you can find us at battleshippretention.com. You can email us at David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at more lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at more than one My other podcast is Hey Watch This with Paul and David. That can also be found at battleshippretention.com or on iTunes. So thank you for listening. We'll get you
0: next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>